Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Bat Around. I'm your host, Paul Valley. He is Zach Goodman. It is a lovely Saturday morning here in the Towson, Baltimore area, and an even lovelier morning because the Orioles were one to nothing winners over the New York Yankees last night, thanks to an Anthony Santander walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth. Not to mention. Grayson Rodriguez with the finest outing of his young career. Six and a third innings pitch, just three hits allowed. No runs, two walks, four strikeouts. Holding the Bronx Bombers bombless last evening. Uh, Orioles win one to nothing. Big victory. I hear nothing in my headphones. That's because I'm not... I was muted, so no, I, no I, I can't. I can't hear anything. That's I, very odd. Well, we're we're on, we're on, we're live. Well, we got we got I, everything I, going. I, so I know, but I need to be able to hear, and I can't hear. I don't know why that's the case, but uh, I, maybe it's something in the the board over there. I don't know. There we go. You got it. Much better. All right. Much good. much better. I good. can hear now. Simple fix, producer. Um, I mean, hey, look, I, <laughs> I you know, I. <laughs> Hey, I do. Pro- the, hey, I do the best hey, I can ever. Hey, hey, not really. Hey, producer. Oh I, yeah, I, not I, not really, Paul. I, 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 hey, producer. I can't hear. Okay, well we're on. I have no awesome. idea why you can't hear. So well, I, can, I, I, I can now. I figured it out. We're good. I'm, I'm so glad. Fi- I'm not fighting with you on the air. Chill. All right. Um, I'm relaxed. You don't seem like it. Um, yeah, Orioles. Big one nothing victory over the Yankees last night. Spoiling Garrett Cole's brilliant performance last night. Seven innings pitched, three hits, no walks, no runs allowed. Anthony Santander providing the dramatics on Mo Gavin night. And what a night it was. Adam Jones comes back to Baltimore, back to Camden Yards to be the honorary Mr. Splash last night. Cap 10 um, splash last night. Not a lot of um not a lot of reason to splash the crowd last night. Well, there was four, uh, four hits. So four, four hits, and only one of them were for, was for extra bases, and that was the um, the Santander home run in the bottom of the ninth. Yep. Now that's quite a reason to splash everybody, but nonetheless, the Orioles come away with a victory. Best team in the American League, first place in the American League East by a game and a half over the Tampa Bay Rays, who were also winners last night, and. Uh, you know the Orioles they're off and running. Trade deadline is uh, is it Tuesday at six o'clock? It's well, it's August first. I don't know exactly what day that is. I believe that I yeah, that, that's Tuesday at, at six o'clock. It's weird because it was always July thirty first. Well, it was at, always July thirty. Yeah, at yeah. At, at four. And o'clock. last year the second, I believe. Yeah, or, last it, year it was last, second. last year it was the second. Which I, I don't know why they've gone to change this. I mean, they they want to give teams maybe an extra day, but I really don't see a lot of merit behind the the move. Yeah, I don't. I, I, don't, I, I don't get they, it. They, I, I know that like. I think it was something because like like July thirty first was a Sunday, or something like that last year, and but I don't know why you had to stretch it to August second after that. So I I, I don't I don't understand. It. It's always been July thirty first at four o'clock. Right. Now it's August first at six o'clock. Whatever. Orioles have made one move, and that was for Fujinami. Yep. Um, gave who gave up a home run on the very first pitch he threw in an Orioles uniform, but then. Dominated the next three hitters. Got ambushed by yeah. Jose Siri. It's, yeah, you know, and that's what Jose Siri does. He hits a home run or he does nothing. Right. I mean, he's uh, got what 20, 24 home runs already, something like that. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how many. Home, I don't pay attention too much to to Jose Siri. Um, but I know that he either just hits home runs or does not much else. Um, and then his next performance, he went out and he 
threw like 10 of 12 pitches for balls to the first two hitters to the first two or three hitters that he faced ended up uh, giving up a couple of runs Orioles lost that game but he's been really good in my opinion in three of his four outings including last night where he was fantastic he walked the first hitter first he I, the first pitch he threw was a strike and they got and they got called a ball and he ended up walking that hitter but then he got a he got a double play to end the inning and the Orioles got out of one on the win one one to nothing but the Orioles have only made the one move and Mike Elias went, made some comments last yesterday in a press conference with Baltimore media. Um, chief among them believes the Orioles can win, can make a World Series run with their current roster. He was asked uh, point blank, "Do you think that this roster is good enough as it currently stands to make a World Series run?" And he said, "Yes, I do." And some people got upset about that because they thought it meant that he's not going to make any moves. What the hell is he supposed to say? If it, it, the way the question was framed, it was basically asking him to put his foot in his mouth like he did last year. Sure. If he says anything other than, yeah, no, I think we're good enough to make to make. I mean, obviously, they're good enough to be the second best team in baseball and the best team well, in the American yeah, I mean, League. 63 wins on top of the AL East, which is arguably the most competitive division in baseball. You can't really look at the Orioles and, and say they're not built for a World Series right now. But then again, you have guys like Colton Kowser who were in the lineup striking out three times last night. A lot of inexperience up and down the lineup. Of course, Westberg, Kowser, young guys. Uh, and then even Fujinami, which is a, a guy in the back of your bullpen who's going to be throwing a lot of significant innings for you. Probably a lot of seventh innings, eighth innings uh, coming up. That doesn't really have a lot of experience either. So they need to add experienced guys. Um, you know, he hasn't pitched well, but Joe Kelly, I thought, was a decent add for the no, Dodgers yesterday. I, I wanted no part of Joe Kelly. Uh, he's, his, he's, his ERA is five and a half the last but, two years. I wanted okay. no part of him. But he's a fantastic veteran presence in a locker room. That guy's been in World Series before. That guy's played in so many playoff runs. That's a, a piece that the Orioles could bring in and say, okay, you're not going to have a bunch of high leverage innings, but you know how to pitch, and you know how to pitch in a World Series. And I mean, that's, that's important there, for them to get. There's plenty of people out there. Okay, that, I'm, that, I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying that that's, that's a guy. All right, and he also said if the right player is available, the, um, the team will, will reach for that player, but... They're not, but but they're they're not going to burn the farm system down to win a World Series. He said, "Yes, we want to win a World Series. We want to do what it takes to get there. But unless the world's ending in November, I'm not going to set this farm system on fire to win to to make a run this year. To worry about just this year, um, which rubs some people. It didn't rub me the wrong way because it makes sense." You don't want to give away your. You don't want to trade away your top prospects for a bunch of rentals who might help you maybe get to and win a World Series this year. And even then, it's a crapshoot. And then, what have you done to your farm system for the years to come? You spent five years building something that's sustainable, not so that sure. you can blow your wad on one on one season and then have nothing to show for it. This is a long term thing, not a get really good quicker than we thought. And then blow it all in one year. So I understand that. I also think that they need that they need to add that if you're the best team in the American League and you yep. have the obvious weaknesses that the Orioles have shown, that you need to get you need to to add to your team. You need to solidify your roster because now you're coming into the dog days of. Then you're going to have the final, and then you're going to have the final month of the season. You're going to the playoffs unless you there's a complete and utter collapse. And there are still fans out there that thinks that, that think that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, well, yeah. I mean, if it hasn't happened in the gauntlet of May, and if, if, what's worse than a gauntlet? Because that's July, 
And if it hasn't happened in those two months, and then you look at the schedule in August and September, it ain't happening. The Orioles are going to the playoffs. Anything can happen, but it would take an epic, epic collapse for that to happen. And so they're going to the playoffs. You don't want to just get in. Like, and this was the thing. Like, I, I, I took a lot of crap from people last year and the parts and at times this year because there are so many people who were just content with getting there. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I've seen Orioles teams make the playoffs. I've seen three Orioles teams make ALCSs and lose. Yeah. I'm not content with just getting there. I've seen the playoffs. I, I, I get there and go to a World Series. It's been 40 years. To me, you look at what the Brewers have done. And they had a, a similar rebuild, I think you would argue, to what the Orioles did. It took them a while. They were bad for a few years. They probably, I mean, they never got to the farm system level the Orioles did. And they, they kind of struck gold with Christian Yelich and um, a few other guys. But they got to a point where I, I said, if the Orioles rebuild ends up like that, where they make the playoffs year in, year out, and albeit in a much easier division with the Orioles play in, then that's a success. I said, if you, if you match the Brewers, you do what they do, that's a success. I agree with you now. I'm past that. I think the Orioles can do much more than just make the playoffs. I think there's much more talent than what the Brewers ever had when they were good. And I certainly think that the Orioles have the potential to do a lot more than that. So, a you know, if they only get a wild card position this year, the Rays end up winning this division and they lose out in the wild card, the, the first wild card round. And I believe it's going to be what, three games? Isn't that what yeah. it usually is now? then that's a huge disappointment to me. That's that's a loss. Because right now, I mean, Glenn mentioned it when I was doing a show last week, that the Cubs had a World Series window that they thought was going to last for about three or four years. And it ended up only being one year. And mm-hmm. they won it that one year. So Elias can talk about you know building depth and, and how important that is. And I'm not going to disagree with that. But he's also got to understand that World Series window could close. They, they don't know. I mean, sure, you do have Jackson Holiday coming. Grayson Rodriguez, if he pitches like he did last night, is going to be an ace for the next you know five years. But you've got to also make moves that really supplement what you have here right now. Because the World Series window, you just don't know how long it's going to be open. Yeah, it, one team wins it every year. Exactly. There's, there's 30 teams. And when's the last time we saw the same team win the World Series in back-to-back years? It hasn't happened since the 98, 99, 2000 Yankees. It has not happened. It's not a thing that... And I think the last time you saw the same team... Well, I guess the Dodgers and Astros have gone to their share of World Series over the last several years. So you can get there multiple times, but you want to win. And if you have an opportunity right now with the second best record in baseball... And cl- you're close. You're close to the Braves, and you you were right there with them when you played them. Um, if you have the second-best record in baseball, you're the best team in the American League, a game and a half up in the toughest division in baseball. Yep. You have that opportunity to go out there and make something special happen for your fan base, something that hasn't happened for your fan base in 40 years. Right. You want to talk about how... The All-Star Game hasn't been in Baltimore since 1993, and other teams have hosted it twice yep. since then. Go win a World Series. Be relevant. Yeah, that'll that'll certainly get be, Manfred's be, attention. Be, be relevant, because since that All-Star Game in 93, the Orioles have had eight winning seasons. Right. They've had eight yeah. winning seasons. Yeah. So, be relevant. They certainly weren't going to give the Orioles in the dark years, where it was years of just losing and, and winning 75 games or, or less, they weren't going to give the Orioles a, a all-star game back then. And frankly, I don't, I don't really care. I mean, it's good for the city. It's, it's you know, great for the fan base to see that, I guess. But 
I, you know, my entire focus is on winning a World Series. That's the most important part. And again, the Orioles have the ability, they have the potential to do that. They just have to get over that hump. And frankly, I mean, making the playoffs is the, the, the first start of that. But I think at 63 wins already, first in the division, Razor a half game back or a game and a half back now, it's looking good. But like mm-hmm. you said, there are a lot of people who still frankly believe in, a, in that sudden collapse. And I guess it's hard to, to not think that given that they've been horrible for the past five years and last year was the first year where it was where it was quite okay and everything mm-hmm. was fine so quite I, I okay it was quite okay and like I, I get what people are saying with that i just don't think it's a, a really relevant thing here i think the Orioles are going to make the playoffs but they have to get over that hump to the world series there is that um that 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 beaten dog syndrome that the that orioles fans have and i get it mm-hmm. i get it because Again, it's been 40 years since you've won a World Series. And for a lot of the last 30 years, your team has not been relevant. Yeah. So I understand feeling a certain kind of way. And especially when you look at it last year, when the Orioles were in a playoff position, going into the final third of the season, and then they they, they lost games last year that they should have won that would have helped them make the postseason. The, 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 the team wasn't... The team was in position to make to to make it to the playoffs, and they beat themselves a lot last year uh, towards the end of the season. So you're kind of wondering, and you're you're seeing signs because you're seeing Tyler Wells is yep. about to, is is you have Tyler Wells, um, Dean Kramer, and Kyle Gibson and Grayson Rodriguez all approaching their career highs in at, at any level in innings pitched. Yeah, and Tyler Wells has been not good his last two outings. So I understand that there's trepidation there because you're kind of starting to see the signs. Bradish sure. wasn't good his last outing. Dean Kramer uh, has, you know, gone back and forth from really good to really bad his last five or six outings. So you get kind of nervous, and that's another reason why the Orioles might need to add a, a legitimate starting pitcher here. I'm not saying mortgage to the future, but they right. need to do something here because. And look at Cano. Cano has Cano has lived. Off of his first fourteen outings, yeah, of the of the season, because, and uh, who was it that brought it up last night? I, I believe it was um, um, Brett Hollander okay. on on the broadcast last night. He said, you know, Cano has been great this year, but there's a, a a sustained stretch here where opponents and he, he didn't name the sustained stretch, but he's like, it's a long enough stretch that makes you worry because opponents have been hitting over three thirty, yeah, against him over that stretch. I had no no confidence when he came into that game in Game 2 against the Phillies. I had no confidence mm-hmm. that he was going to hold, hold the lead there. And he didn't. They right. ended up losing the ball yeah. game. No confidence in that. I Every time he comes into the game, he's allowing two base runners in the inning. Right. Eventually, that's going to bite you like it did the other day. And he's been overused. He's been overused. Bautista's been overused. Bautista's just so freakishly good. I mean, he's, yeah. get, he's getting Cy Young talk. Yep. He's just been so freakishly good. Coulomb has been good... But Coulomb is kind of that guy that you want pitching in like the sixth inning. Or you want to have the lefty-lefty thing, although he faced a lefty who was hitting 100 points higher against left-handed pitching yeah. last night. Which He certainly doesn't have to be a high-leverage guy. Yeah. I don't think anyone's really devoting him to that role. I think he should be that middle relief guy. He should guy. be, but, right. but he's been... That seventh inning guy. Well, and if you for, for for Hyde all year, if Cano really begins to collapse, where he's not tight roping out of it, because right now he has like most of the outings he comes in, he gives up a few hits, tight ropes out of it. Fujinami maybe comes that eighth inning guy if you like what you're seeing from him, and mm-hmm. I guess last night you have the the uh, outing before that you like what you saw. 
if you give him the eighth inning and you give Coolum the seventh inning, I think that makes sense. And then maybe move Cano into the sixth inning role if things start to really collapse for him. Yeah. But it, that's an if. Yeah. The bottom line, you need to go out and get another reliever. Definitely. You you need another reliever. And honestly, I think you need another starting pitcher. Now, Michael Elias yeah. continues to say, like just like you said at the beginning of the year, there's no science behind the idea that a certain amount of innings is where a pitcher hits a wall. He's like, we're obviously going to keep monitoring these guys and see how they do, but there's nothing that tells us that if this person pitches past this number of innings, that they're suddenly going to be ineffective. So they're moving forward with the idea that these guys are going to be there the entire season. Right. That these guys are going to be part of their rotation. Now, then you have to look at, well, then how good is your rotation with these guys? Dean Kramer is a, a, a good three. Three or four. Uh, but more like a solid four. Yeah. Um, Kyle Gibson's a five. Yeah. Kyle Gibson is one hundred percent a five. Um, well, you and, know, and, and and Tyler Tyler Wells, a solid three, maybe a good two. Yeah. And Kyle Bradish, Kyle Bradish to me is a two. He is a two, maybe on a bad team, he's a one. Two two teetering on one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I think you're absolutely right with uh with Kyle Gibson, and he really stepped up when he had to. He started mm-hmm. the year and he threw what maybe eight outings that were quite good, and we were all looking around and saying, wow, this was the best $11 million the Orioles have ever spent, way better than Jordan Lyles. But now we've kind of seen the more Phillies Kyle Gibson from mm-hmm. last year where he's just okay. You know, Maybe he can throw six innings, and he's done that a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. he certainly, I, I want to say his inning average is probably around five and two-thirds, six innings. It's got to be close to that because he's actually been quite lengthy for the Orioles and been pitch efficient. But I would not necessarily say that he's been good in the past, I don't know, eight outings, six outings, somewhere around there. He's been rocky, giving up three or four earned runs per start. That's not the guy you want to see. And like you said, he's a solid five at this point. Yeah, he's 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 a five for them. The Orioles starting rotation is, it's good. Yeah. It's good. It's not great. It's not good enough to make you have confidence that your team's going to put it together in the playoffs for... A sustained run. And who's throwing, you know, game one of a World Series? Who's the guy who comes out, you just shut you know, to shut everyone down, get that momentum in the World Series? I don't see a guy there that's going to do that. Maybe Kyle Bradish, but then again, Kyle Bradish has had starts where he's not at all that guy. Maybe you look at Corbin Burns as that guy. He's had an up and down year. You know, maybe it's Justin Verlander. I don't know, but it's someone out there, maybe. Um, Justin Verlander is on the trading block, supposedly, and he's had a 146 ERA his last six starts. He's He's been really good. Max Scherzer was really good last night yeah. um and, and you know Verlander's ERA is down to 324 mm-hmm. Scherzer his ERA is 401 which would which would be third best in this rotation right now and he, but you would know that he's the best pitcher in your rotation yeah. but I, you almost forget that Scherzer exists because when he's not pitching to a two and a half ERA people aren't talking about him yeah you know but the and, and the Mets have been just so so bad sure this year uh compared to what they were supposed to be but I mean look you have you have a lot of guys in this rotation and, and, that are really good. You need that one guy. You need that one guy. People keep bringing up Corbin Burns. He's not coming here. No, he's not. It, I'm not. If, I'm not if, suggesting it. it if, is. if if he and, and I know you aren't. Somebody somebody else um, was like, why not go out and get Corbin Burns? Well, because the Brewers are in first place. Yeah, and he's their best pitcher. And maybe that relationship is fractured to the point where he won't re-sign there. But he wants to pitch in the playoffs, and he doesn't need. He's not asking the Brewers to trade him in the middle of a pennant run. Yeah, he he's he's not, you know, he's as much a part of that team as anybody, and they are in first place. Without him, 
they're not going to make a play, a postseason push. They're gonna. They might get to the postseason, but without him, they're not going anywhere. Yeah. Once they get there, so he's not going anywhere until the off season at the earliest. And so then you got to look. You got to look around the league. You got to look around the league and see who's available. Justin Verlander, maybe Max Scherzer. If you, but either way, you're gonna have to pay a ton of money um, yeah. for those guys because uh, Scherzer, I think, has an option for next year, and Verlander has is signed through next year. If it, $43 million for next year and then an option for two, for 2025. Um, so then you got to look at something else. And Steve Phillips on baseball tonight, on baseball tonight, MLB tonight, last night uh, on MLB Network, proposed this trade. And I thought it was interesting because my knee jerk reaction was, oh man, that's a lot to give up. And then it was like, well, but look at what you're getting. But then look at how much control you have. The trade proposed by Steve Phillips was Orioles get Blake Snell. Josh Hader and Juan Soto. I know Zach, you love Juan. Who doesn't love Juan Soto? I love Juan Soto. Uh, Padres in return get DL Hall, Jordan Westberg, Heston Kerstad, and Colton Kalser. Snell and Hader are free agents at the end of the year. Soto is a free agent after 2024. You're giving up three top 36 prospects for and, and DL Hall for Blake Snell, Josh Hader, and Juan Soto. Blake Snell, unless you're going to pay him thirty million dollars a year, you're not. Get, you, he's not staying here after this year. Josh Hader, yeah, it's a nice reunion with the club that drafted him. Yeah, but he's going to command twenty million dollars a year as a reliever. He's not staying here. Not when you have Felix Bautista, Juan Soto. Yeah, you're going to have to pay him forty million dollars a year after next year. Right. Are you really willing to give up Jordan Westbrook, Heston Kersa, and Colton Kowser? And I'm a, I'm as big a DL Hall fan as there is, but the writing's on the wall. Even I know that if this guy's velocity's been yeah. down all year and he's thrown three innings down in, right. in down in the summer league in Florida, uh, like I know that the writing's on the wall. Now he's going two yeah. innings today. Maybe he can get himself into a high leverage relief role for the Orioles. Maybe he can be that guy. Yeah. Um, addition from within, but. Part of me is I would like, love to think so. Part, part of me is like, this is a deal you have to make. And then part of me is like, you are really mortgaging a lot of your future. Yeah, I mean, Juan Soto is going to make a lot of money. Like, I, yeah. you got to worry about paying him for, what, is it like an 11-year contract? I can't remember exactly what it is. Um, but he... Well, no, he, he doesn't have a contract. Oh, but, I, thought, I thought he signed a massive extension, or was that just a talk? No, they were, I, they okay, were, they were just talking about because they they were even talking last night. They were like, Juan, you throw Juan <laughs> Soto into this deal because he's not... He, he's yeah, you're not right, a free right, agent right. until after next year, I, I, and it's they think the Padres are going to make a run for Otani. I, I, for whatever reason, thought that Juan Soto had a, a massive extension. So I guess you don't, but you will have to pay him forty million plus, yeah. probably more than that, because yeah. the guy is, is is already a four war player this year. He might end up at like six or seven. This guy's really good. And Blake Snell, I mean, he's going to help you immediately, like you said. They're not going to retain him for very long. Josh Hader is a one year and gone kind of guy, so he's a rental. I mean, Blake Snell and Josh Hader, I look at more or less as rentals. So. I, I don't really... They're they're all essentially rentals. It's just yeah. Soto's a, a, a year-plus rental. If you get Soto, you have to sign him to an extension. There's yeah. no doubt. And you know what? You look at Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, and you say, could they be as good as Juan Soto? And I guess the question is um, how much you, you really believe in those two guys. But Jordan Westberg would be hard to give up, especially given what they have infield prospect-wise. Um, I mean, Jackson Holiday's coming, of course, but don't have a lot other than that. 
Um, Joey Ortiz is a huge question mark at this point. So I, I think you. Why is Joey Ortiz a huge question mark? Because I, I don't, I still don't believe in the bat personally. I mean, he's hit three, close to three fifty over right. two years well, at Norfolk. I, I, I can't wait to see it at the major leagues. I'm looking forward to it. They haven't given him the chance. I totally, I'm, I'm with you, and I, I honestly think he should be traded to another organization where he can have the chance. I think I, I don't think he's going to get one here. I think that he is the Orioles' biggest trade chip. Yeah, I, I, agree. I think he's their biggest trade yep. chip. I, I think I, I truly believe that Joey Ortiz will be the starting shortstop on two-thirds of the teams in the league Honestly, right the, now. Yeah, I agree, and I, I think the Orioles will be doing him a disservice if they don't trade him because he's just going to sit in the minor leagues behind guys like Jordan Westberg. Guys, he, Jackson Holiday could easily surpass him. I mean, Michael Elias said yesterday he's not ruling out him being an Oriole this year. Like, yeah. I, I would pretty much rule it out, but you never know. So yeah. I, he, he said he, he, maybe he makes it to AAA, but that'd be pretty mm-hmm. unprecedented too. But he, he said, I'm not saying never because I never say never. Right. But... He's not He's not making it to the big leagues. No. Especially if he's sitting out these next three or four games with an illness. But I, I just think the Orioles have been very clear about how they view Joey Ortiz. And I think, it's again, it's, it's doing him a disservice well, if you Elias keep him in the org. Well, was asked about Ortiz yesterday in that mm-hmm. press conference. And he said, I believe Joey Ortiz is an everyday starting shortstop in the big leagues. And mm-hmm. I believe that that's with the Baltimore Orioles. Well, what's he going to say? I mean, <laughs> I believe it's, it's for the Miami Marlins or something. I mean, he right. can't really yeah. say what he thinks. but Right, but... I, I believe that they believe Joey Ortiz could be their starting shortstop if Jackson Holiday wasn't in the system. Mm-hmm. I, I I believe that. Could now, be now, do they think that maybe there's more trade value in Jordan Westberg because you can play Ortiz at second base, Westberg has gotten to the big leagues, and he hasn't been... At times, he looks overmatched, but he's held his own. Yeah. And it's his first taste of the big leagues is only going to get better. Maybe he, they're thinking, okay... And they, th- they know that Jackson Holiday can play second base, right? So. Sure. It's uh, Joey Ortiz. You could put Joey Ortiz at second, short, or third, and you're not going to um, you're not going to lose any defense there. Right. Um, so ultimately, I believe that Joey Ortiz is the Orioles' biggest trade chip. Yep. Um, I believe that he could start on just about any team in baseball at shortstop yeah. and be a, a a good player. By the way, I said the Marlins, and they're buying apparently now. I mean, they're they're doing pretty good in the division that's also really tough and, and competitive. So it looks like they're going to be buyers, but they would have a they they would have that wealth of pitching to grab from. So mm-hmm. maybe they they sell someone and, and buy somewhere else, and that that could be the case. And they just picked up uh, David Robertson. David Robertson. Yep. Didn't they pick up a starter too? I don't believe they have yet. I thought they I, they, I thought they made another move. Um, to pick up something. I would have liked David Robertson, but I'll be honest. I, I, I really wanted David yeah. Robertson. Uh, Lance Lynn goes to the Dodgers. Lucas Giolito goes to the Angels. The Angels, and we, we do, we got we have to get Stan on the line here, but I want to ask you really quickly, mm-hmm. are the Angels stupid for going for it? Is it yes is that, and no. <laughs> that's your sounding off segment, isn't it? No, it's going to be about another move they've made uh, in the minor league oh, system, actually. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm going to talk right. about that, but I, I think... The Angels, given that it's been since what 2014, they've made a playoff run. Yeah, I. It's almost like why not at this point? Well, because you, have, you don't know you're, how much you're, longer you're still have. not as good as the teams that are in front of you, and yeah. you're, you're you're pretty far back. We'll talk about it when we do your sounding off okay. segment. We'll, we'll do a whole we'll, Angels. We'll, segment. Yeah, we'll do the whole all encompassing. Let's get uh, let's get Stan on the line. Um, in the meantime, I want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by Press Box Offers. If I can find it. In here, yes. Brought to you by Pressbox Offers. Pressbox is offering new sports betters the best sign-up bonuses and promos from seven legal online sports books. Go to pressboxonline.com/offers now and get offers like $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after placing your first $10 bet. 
or up to $1,250 in bonus bets from Caesars. Time is limited to get the best offers from all of the sportsbooks. So go to pressboxonline.com offers and sign up today. Back for his weekly segment after a week hiatus. He is Stan the Fan. Charles Stan, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Paul. How you doing? Good morning, Zach. What's up? We're doing we're doing well, doing well. Orioles with a with a really nice victory over the Yankees last night. An epic pitcher's duel where Santander plays the hero. Uh, we're going to get into that in just a second. But Zach and I were just talking, Stan, about a, a trade uh, that Steve Phillips proposed on MLB Tonight last night on MLB Network. Uh, he proposed that the Orioles get Blake Snell, Josh Hader, and Juan Soto from the Padres in exchange for D.L. Hall, Jordan Westberg, Heston Kerstad, and Colton Kalzer. You got to give something up to get something like that in the package. Um, Hader and Snell, free agents at the end of the year. Juan Soto, free agent at the end of 2024. I would find it very unlikely that the Orioles would be able to keep any of them. Would you be willing to pull the trigger on a deal like that, Stan, to get those three players who could maybe put you over the hump as favorites for the World Series in the American League? Uh, me personally, I'm not interested in that route. It's, it, it seems like a lot to give up. A lot of young guys under team control for the foreseeable future um, that could really impact your ball club, not just this year, but many years down the line for guys who are not going to be here uh, you know, this time next yeah, year. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just not interested in that. I think Mike uh, Elias kind of addressed that yesterday. I didn't go to the ballpark because of the heat yesterday. Um you know, I'm 71 years old, so I didn't go to the ballpark. I get it. Um, yeah, so I missed out on the uh, press conference that Mike held, or an informal presser that he held with people. But he pretty much dispelled the notion that the Orioles are going to reach for something of that magnitude. You know, I, I just don't see it in the cards at all. Yeah, I, I and the I, last time I and the last time I looked, Steve Phillips is a pretty good talk show host, but I don't want to call him winning any World Series either. That's true, and uh, kind of kind of disgraced yeah. as far as um, I mean, that's GMs a great, that's a great, that's great clickbait to bring that up, a trade like that. It's just it's not in the cards. It's not happening. Yeah, and and I think I'm with you, Stan. I don't think I would want to do something like that either. Michael Elias did say that. You know, if the right player was available and if it was the right move for the Orioles, they may reach for something. But I don't, it wouldn't be something like that. You're giving up. Th- you would have to give up three top thirty-six prospects in all of baseball right. to do to do that. It right. just. I went back and forth on it, and I came to the conclusion that I just would not be comfortable doing that because you're giving up a lot for you know a year and two months essentially at at best. Right. Um, now, last um, night, you know, if you want to talk about like one of those players, you know, like a. Uh, D.L. Hall, you know, Snell, Snell's a free agent, right, at the end of the year? He and Hater, or yes. He, yeah. I'd have interest in Snell uh, on a short term, like a D.L. Hall and something for for Snell. I would do something of that magnitude. But, uh, you know, I'm, I don't know even where I'm going to fit Juan Soto in, you know, into my lineup. And Josh Hader, as great as he is, We've got a guy I think is personally better than him oh, yeah. uh, as our closer. So am I going to give up a tremendous amount for a setup guy when there are other guys out there that we don't have to give up an arm and a leg for? I'm I'm sort of all in, more, more so all in on seeing what evolves here and trusting Mike 
uh, to do some moves around the edges that really get the team a little bit more solidified. Yeah, I, I think that there's still some moves coming, or if not just a singular move, something that's going to make this team a little bit better. I'm inclined to believe it's going to be uh, bullpen help because everybody's looking for starting pitching uh, at this point. Um, and the Orioles, they may have found something with Grayson Rodriguez in this second stint in the major leagues. Well, stand. this was this was a this was an eye-opening performance last night. You know, I had taken a pretty uh, strong opinion that Grayson would not really significantly impact this team. And when I'm wrong on something, I'll admit I'm wrong. And uh, I don't know that I'm wrong full full circle on this, but he still wouldn't have been better helping the team this year in the you know, and coming into uh into a a long relief role. But for one night that was an eye opening performance. Oh you'd never look like that in the major leagues to me. He yeah. was he was excellent last night. He was hitting his spots. At one point, his first thir- 30 pitches of the game, he threw four balls. He was absolutely yeah. fantastic last and, night. And, and, I, I and thought, I'll tell you, my brother came over and we were watching the game together, and we were really taken with the strike zone of that umpire last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just, uh, to me, it was just awful. You know, he seemed to be... He really and I, you, you've been, you know, we've talked for a couple of years now. Do I complain about umpires? No, you that do not. That was a awful performance by that umpire last night. And, and Stan, umpires' performances, I feel like this is the worst I've seen them this year. Across the board, the, the strike zones have been pretty egregious all season. Yeah. Do you think that there's something to that? It just seems like they all regressed at the same time. And I don't know. I don't understand it. Maybe I, I don't know what I don't know what it is. You know, there's uh, when I looked up his name last night as the game started. I've never heard of this guy, Shane Liver Livensparker or something like that. I've never heard never of heard of. Him. Don't know where he came from, but man, wherever he came from, let's send him back there. You know, <laughs> he'll he'll do a good job in, in in the next two years. He'll do a nice job when the the balls and strikes are told to him by the machine. Yeah. yeah. That was just a pathetic performance. Yeah, I, I felt and, that and way about it, a lot. It detracted from, it detracted from me from a, just a epic pitching matchup. Made, oh. made both pitchers throw 10, 12, 13 more pitches than they needed. Oh, I, I agree with you. Fujinami, last night, for example, he comes in, the first pitch he throws, to me, was just an absolutely perfectly painted fastball right at the bottom of the zone. He calls it a ball. He ends up walking. The next two pitches are strikes, but he ends up walking the the guy. Now, look, you can't throw three straight balls after getting ahead right. one, two. But I thought that he got squeezed a little bit there. Luckily, he got the double play to get out of it. And, Stan, we actually haven't talked to you since Fujinami was uh, acquired by the Orioles. What are your thoughts on that acquisition? And is this something that you th- – it's kind of the, the type of move that we should be expecting from Mike Elias as we approach the end of this trade deadline uh, portion of the season. I, I thought the Fujinami – I thought the Fujinami move was uh, sort of an exquisite, small move. The only question I had was how this guy, who is struggling to you know get his major league career started, and probably deep down inside thinks he's a starting pitcher, but how he would react to being placed in the middle of a pennant race and going from pitching in Oakland 
where there's two, 3,000 people in the stands and the games haven't meant anything since about April 3rd, you know, to being in a pennant race and pitching in these frenetic environments. And to me, he's done a pretty darn good job. And I thought that if I had one problem with Brandon last night, I didn't see after such a short uh, outing last night, he got the double play, why he went to a, a, a struggling Yenier Cano. Yeah, I was kind of wondering the same thing because I feel like Cano's been overworked, and I feel like he's been kind of getting getting hit in tightrope walking, as Zach said earlier, tightrope walking out of jams recently. And that's, a, that's a good way to put it. And they're jams of his making. Yes. You know, they're, it's immediate almost. And what happened immediately when he came in? I think it was the first batter that faced him, right? It was Volpe. Mm-hmm. Hit the line drive that if Santander doesn't make that play, we don't win that game. Nope, absolutely you know? not. And then and then uh, Adam Frazier bailed him out at the end of the inning yep. with a, with a yep. dazzling yep. play. The the yep. defense bailed him out last night. The defense was spectacular, Sam. And, and you know the the defense. What what have your thoughts been on that? Because the defense was kind of shaky to start the year. They played a game against the Dodgers where they made four errors in the game, and it was like the first time since like 2015 that they had made four errors in a game. And now they've gone nine straight games without an error ever since then. Is that something where they really do you think maybe they just lost some focus and the team kind of the coaches were kind of like we need to get this together? Or is it just one of those things that that's just baseball? I just think it's one of those things. I, I will I will say that I think Mateo's defense has been impacted by by his role now, mm-hmm. uh, and he's a player like the double clutch in Philadelphia. Yeah, I don't think he has that double clutch if he's playing. And I'm not making a case that he should be playing shortstop every day, but I'm just saying that I think if he'd been a regular, he doesn't make that play. You know, I think it's it's a little bit human nature to just not be as sharp when you're not in there all, all the time, you know. And that's something they, they've got to, you know, sort of work on his focus a little bit more. You well, know? And it's, it can't be easy, Stan, because everything he does is now under the microscope. He's been one of the, yep. he's been maybe the league's worst hitter since the beginning of May. Now the defense yep. is kind of suffering a little bit. He's gone. He's kind of become a utility guy when he was the everyday shortstop for a year and a half. Everything he does is magnified. And there's somebody like a Joey Ortiz who's knocking on the door right now. Uh, how much of that do you think is impacting him? The fact that maybe he feels a little bit of fire on his heels. Uh, yeah, I think some pressures on him. You know, you know what was interesting rather than answer that question because I'm sure he's going through a, a tough time mentally. Sure. Did you notice his little dance with Santander after the game-winning home run? I you did. You worry about a player like that, like is he over in the corner sulking that he's not a regular now? And it really made me feel good. And it's one of the things I'm enjoying most about this club and this run is the real, real-time camaraderie that this group has for one another. And it's, you know, so when you ask me, do I want Josh Hader and Blake Snell and Juan Soto, in a perfect world, sure, I'd want them. But I'm really enjoying this team, the way they're playing, and the way they root for one another. You know, Stan, that's an excellent point that you just made there because you have to think about the clubhouse chemistry. And I, when um, Glenn's been on vacation this past week, so KZ was um, 
hosting the show the other day, and he had me on for an Orioles segment, and he asked me about Brandon Hyde. And everybody knows, I've been as critical as anybody about Brandon Hyde, but what I told him was, I think he's done a fantastic job this year. And I think that he has Mm -hmm. his finger on the pulse of the clubhouse. He knows how to get these guys to play hard and play for each other. And I think it's a testament to Brandon Hyde that, Jorge, a guy like Jorge Mateo, who has lost his job, who has been yep. so polarizing in the in the in the worst kind of ways as as far as performance is concerned, is still feeling like he's part of this team, still going out there and enjoying himself night in and night night out with his teammates, knowing that they're approaching something special here. I would not doubt for one second that Brandon Hyde has had the conversations with Mateo, telling him how important he is to this ball club and how much they need his presence in this team. I think it is 100% a testament to Brandon Hyde that even these guys, when they're underperforming, are still playing hard and playing for each other. You know, I mean, that's an excellent point, and I couldn't agree more with you. I was was discussing that same topic yesterday, uh, and, and I go back to the pandemic season, and how many teams around Major League Baseball had episodes where their, you know, their club was threatened by COVID? And you know the Orioles, and you may you may correct me. I don't remember them having a single player come down with COVID. Not during the season. And right during the beginning, Santander and DJ Stewart had it. They missed the start of the year. Okay. Okay. Um, they had it from, yeah, well, that might have been just before protocols were put in place, correct? It was it was when things got ramped back up. They went to do that, like, three-week spring training. They both okay. got it, like, right in the middle. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm talking about once the season started. Yeah. There must have been eight or ten teams, and some of them really good teams, like the Indians where Clevenger went out with uh, Zach Plesak, and yep. I think they, they both broke protocol and all. You know, the respect the players have for Hyde, whether you call it respect, fear, whatever it is, that that showed me something, and I was very impressed with that, and it's held true that I think his players really play hard for him. And he's got an attribute. He may never, you know, be in three or four World Series or, or win a World Series like Earl Weaver did, but I'll tell you one thing that Earl always did. If a player was on his roster and he may have been pissed at him or something like that, didn't really want him on the roster, but if they were on his roster, he played them and made them part of the team. You know, I'm sure all of us grimace. We would have loved this week when Hicks went down that the move would have been cursed at. It's a more exciting move. But Brandon has a certain trust, and I'm sure it's discussed with Elias, but he has a certain level of trust in McKenna, that McKenna, and then sure enough, he played him. And I'm kind of grimacing that the next night he's in the lineup when it could have been Kerstad or something like that. And uh, that's Brandon Hyde, and he's that's a overall that's a strong attribute in a manager is to make everybody feel part of the team. Yeah, and he's got he's got their trust. You know, they they they, they yeah. trust him, and they go out and they play hard for him. And and at the end of the day. You know, I'm. I may disagree with him pulling out Fujinami after the double play, and, and I may. You disagree. and I are in agreement. You're in total agreement. With that, yep. You know? Yeah. You know. It, it, yeah. But at the end of the day, this team, the results speak for themselves, and he can't be doing a bad job if the team has the best record in the American League yeah. uh, in yeah. at the end of July. Well, let's be honest. We're <laughs> we're 
we're six weeks away from the post, you know, seven weeks away from the postseason starting. Maybe it's eight weeks. I'm not doing the math good. But we're probably eight weeks away from him having nailed down the manager of the year in the American League. Yeah. I mean, that's barring some kind of total collapse, but I think he's done a remarkable job. No, I I absolutely agree. Now, one of the toughest jobs he may have ahead of him, Stan, is – this, the the his young starting rotation coming up on some some uh, innings milestones here, and you're looking at Grayson Rodriguez, Dean Kramer, Kyle Brash, and Tyler Wells. They're all two or three starts away from setting new professional career highs in innings pitched. We've seen Tyler Wells kind of, you know, seems like he may have hit a wall his last two outings. Kyle Bradish was not very good the other the other day in Philadelphia. Is there concern on your end for the innings uh, limits, not limits, but for the innings that these pitchers are coming up on? Michael I said multiple times this year that there's no exact science that says that a certain number of innings for pitchers one year to the next um, – says that they that they're gonna hit a wall um but are you concerned with these guys coming up on these uh new innings milestones for themselves i'm not really that i'm not really that concerned with kramer and bradish and um uh i'm I'm not really that concerned with them i'm a little concerned with tyler wells and Mm -hmm. i go back to spring training when I said that he should be sort of the twin towers with Bautista, mm-hmm. it wasn't that I didn't think he was capable of being a good starting pitcher. He's proven that on a couple of occasions. I mean, a couple different stretches that he's certainly capable physically uh, of doing the job, but is he capable physically of getting through a whole season with that kind of burden of innings pitched? Sure. I, I still think they will make a move. I think they've got two moves in them, and I think one of them is going to be a starting pitcher. I think they will trade for somebody, and the guy that I really like out of this batch uh, is not a big name. It's the guy from the Tigers right now, Michael Lorenzen. Mm-hmm. I think he'd be the perfect guy that you you give up a little something for right now. I don't know what it'll be. I'm not. I'm not in that game. I make enough bad trades in fantasy <laughs> baseball. But but Lorenzen is a guy also that you, when you talk about re-signing him, he's a free agent after this year. He makes eight and a half million dollars. He's never made big money. You know, I mean, big long-term money. He's a guy you might be able to sign for three years, $32, $33 million, not be giving away the, 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 uh, you know, giving away the farm for him, literally the farm for him. And he's a guy that could take Gibson's role. In other words, I think the Orioles have to be proactively smart about who they bring in. You know? Uh, yeah. Do I think Blake Snell could help the team? Yeah. And would I give up something to, you know, I'd give up D.L. Hall and maybe a young prospect for him for a couple months, but I'm not going to break the bank for three or you know three or four guys in a monster trade that gets us all excited, and then the chemistry's ruined and all that. I don't think they need to do that. Right. But I do think I think Wells really, and I'm interested in his start tonight. You know me; I'm sort of like a, a one-note pony now about going to the bullpen. I I see his his best usage the rest of this year would be out of the bullpen, but I still think the Orioles may make another move 
out of the bullpen as well. Yeah, I, 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 I do think that, they, uh, that they've got a couple of moves in them. I think that they, you almost have to with where the team is, with how – and Mike Elias isn't in the business of, um, of having a knee-jerk reaction to fans, right? But after the yeah, whole, after do what he thinks is best for the team, no I, question. About I, I agree. I just I see bedlam uh, amongst the fan base if because we all know how badly we misconstrued what liftoff meant, and I know that you were you probably weren't part of that stand, but a lot of us misconstrued yeah. what liftoff meant in the off season, and now you're looking at you know a, a trade deadline where you're maybe a, a move or two away from being a legitimate world series contender if they don't do anything i don't want to i, I want to get rid of all my social media i don't i don't want to see it uh because I, I yeah i couldn't handle zach you had a comment you yeah, one, well, of the things, uh, sorry, one of the sorry. things let me just and then zach can toss in one of the things i think is 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 important to focus on is we've watched recent world series and postseason series okay we haven't been part of them but if if he if mike elias genuinely thinks that he's got enough pitching, he's he's really making a mistake there. Yeah. Because none of these pitchers, Kramer, Gibson, none of them are going to go more than tops five innings in a postseason game. Yeah. Okay? And it all comes down to how many arms do you have in the bullpen that you can trust. Okay? And I look, Brian Baker appears to be a nice guy and all that. That's not a guy I trust in the postseason, okay? I want better than that on the team. Bauman can hang around, but i got to get a better i got to get a more proven commodity than Brian Baker if I'm really, if I'm really being honest with myself, you know? So, Stan, Stan, that's the way I feel. Going back to that liftoff comment that Michael Elias made in the offseason, uh, I, I saw yeah. an interesting tweet from Connor Newcomb this morning uh, from Locked On Orioles podcast. He's been on our show multiple times. He said, at this point, it doesn't really matter what Michael Elias says. He's shown time and time again his words mean nothing. I don't really read into the things he said. Where are you on that comment? Mm-hmm. Do, do you kind of agree with Connor? Do you really read into what Michael Elias says? And do you think he's actually telling the truth about what the Orioles are going to do at the deadline? Well, I again, I was not at that presser yesterday, and haven't read a full full story on it yet because um, I didn't know it was happening. Um, I, I I tend to listen carefully to what Mike says, and I don't I I don't think he's uh, I think he plays uh, you know good hand at poker, but I don't think he out and out lies to us about it. I think liftoff meant. You know, last year it meant we're not going back and and doing deals where we're where we're selling off. We're going to be adding, and yeah, have they added anything sexy? No, but I think the Fujinami deal was really very interesting. The Fraser signing has proved to be, despite his defensive metrics and all that, and the fact that his batting average has declined as the season went on. He's been a really solid pickup, though, for the team, you know, and fit in nicely. Um, Gibson's been a solid addition for the most part to the team. He's not a particularly sexy guy. So I think the moves he's made, he's been true to sort of what he says. But I I don't go to sleep at night worrying about what Mike Elias says. I'm going to watch what he does. And my gut feeling is he does – he does the right things. You know, I wrote a column last week about him, 
And I ended by saying, you know, in his prime as a general manager of the Ravens, Baltimore football fans had the saying, in, in Ozzy we trust. And I think it's about time some people start using that phrase with Michael Elias, that we trust his ability to thread a needle. Uh, and and it's a, probably insulting to wonder whether he's going to do something or not because he's a smart guy. You don't think he's thought this through? He and Sig have thought this through a million times, you know, what to do here. Uh, so I have a lot of confidence in, in Mike. I do, too. Everything that he said he was going to do in his introductory press conference, he's done. He's checked every box, almost seemingly in order. So I've been at the point with Mike Elias basically since last year where he's just as much in in Elias we trust as it was in in Ozzy we trust. He has my full trust and support. I think he's been fantastic. Um, Yeah. Now, Stan, before we let you go, I have two more questions for you, one Orioles and then one just baseball. Yeah. with regards to the Orioles, they just came off a road trip in which they averaged 3.8 runs per game. Um, then they have they scored one run last night in that victory against the Yankees. Now, look, I get it. They were facing Garrett Cole, and they were facing the, yeah. the, the league's best bullpen. I, so I understand that. Santander was 4 for 40 before he hit that home run last night. Yep. Adley Rutschman is hitting like 233 since the All-Star break. Gunnar Henderson is hitless his last four games and is hitting just 153 over the last over the last week, the offense has been sputtering. Does this team need to add one more bat at the deadline, or do you think that it's just one of those things where they're going to come around and as long as they get the pitching, they'll be okay? I think the I think I'd be focusing on the pitching and and maybe the one move we see before before too long is still the uh, the Kerstad for McKenna move. You know, okay. uh, that's about what I see there. I'm sure there's a, a perfect player to fit. I would have loved to have seen Westberg and Kowser, like hit the ground running a little bit more. Yeah. You know, um, they've been Kowser especially has has just not really gotten off. Westberg's shown some signs, you know, of what he is, uh, and he's a wonderful defensive ball player to watch, and he's really terrific. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but I don't, I don't as readily think. You know, again, we're talking about a team that's missing Hicks and Mullins. The ball club knows certainly a lot better than I do when they can come back. Sure. That could impact them if, if the right, you know, if suddenly out of nowhere we get an outfielder in here. I don't think it would be the end of the world. Yeah, I, I, I can see the merit in bringing in a, back, a, a bat. I can also see the merit in not doing it. I think Colin Kalser, once he gets going, I think he's going to get going and everything's going to come in a flurry. I, I think that the, that the bat's just going to heat up at some point, and you're going to really see the type of player that he is. It just hasn't happened yet, and we saw it with Gunner, We saw it with Adley. This just kind of happens to young players, and I totally get that. Now, the final question I want to ask you, Stan. Um, the Orioles were rumored um, and linked to Shohei Otani until the Angels came out and said that they aren't trading him. Then the Angels go out. They trade for Lucas Giolito and Renaldo Lopez. Uh, Otani is, he's a freak. You know, nine inning, complete game shutout, allowing one hit, and then an hour later he has a two-homer game. Homer's in his first at-bat yesterday. Did the Angels do the right thing in saying, you know what, no, we're going for it this year, making that trade? I think it might be too little too late, and you're going to get nothing for Otani leaving inevitably in the offseason. Did they do the right thing, or should they have traded him and gotten as much as they could for him? I mean, that's a really great question, Paul. Um, 
I think, you know, Artie Moreno is sort of, I guess he's like late seventies, early eighties. I, I, I think he's probably had a pretty similar notion of what the right thing to do was for him and for the fans out there. Uh, long term, I don't know if he did the right thing. It certainly becomes the right thing if he signs him. And I would have to believe that Artie Moreno, you know, sort of in his calculus, I think he thinks he can sign the guy. And they, they thought trading him somewhere else gives them, that puts them behind in the ability. You know, the, the level of player that signs when he's traded is Mike Bordick. It's not this guy, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and Artie Moreno probably has as much money as any of the other owners in baseball, you know, and if he wants to sign them, he'll sign them. And then, then we can say he did the right thing. Fair enough. Fair enough. Sam, what do you got coming up this week? Uh, Ross and, and, uh, Luke and I are going to convene on Tuesday at four o'clock, uh, right around the trade deadline to do our, uh, our, uh, you know, our baseball Zoom. And then Thursday uh, at 7 o'clock, Gary Stein and I will be talking to John Kelly from the uh, Kelly Family Benefits. Um, and uh, John is the co-chair of the uh, Maryland Cycling Classic. So we'll be talking to him about the upcoming Cycling Classic. Excellent, excellent. Good stuff, Stan. Hopefully we'll be talking about some uh, solid moves for the Orioles next time we speak. Yeah, Enjoy- let's, let's keep our fingers crossed. All yes, right? sir. Enjoy the rest of the series against the Yankees. We'll talk to you next week. You too. Have a good one, guys. Bye. You too. And that was Stan the Fan, Charles, who has changed up the format for his weekly shows. Now, every Monday at 6 p.m., Stan will be joined by former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley and Press Box's managing editor Luke Jackson to break down the latest with the birds. Every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein will chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, the guys caught up with former Towson football coach Rob Ambrose. You can watch the shows live at Facebook.com slash PressBox or find them the next day at PressBoxOnline.com slash video and YouTube.com slash PressBox box online so join stan ross and luke this and every actually not this monday night this tuesday night at four o'clock as they do a deadline special show round of special round table for you but every monday night moving forward after that at 6 p.m and stan and gary stein every thursday night it's now time for sounding off with zach goodman and that the final question for stan it kind of kind of rolls into what zach wants to talk about today uh it's going to be kind of a whole angel's theme here. Talk about And uh, Zach, what's your first gripe, I would say? Well, I, I sent you this yesterday because I, I just thought it was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen, but it's pretty in line with what the Angels have been doing over the few years, and I'll, I'll explain about that. But the Angels promoted their first-round pick this year, their 2023 first-round pick. His name is Noah Shanuel, I believe is how you pronounce that. He was already promoted to AAA, or AA yesterday, excuse me, that's Rocket City, after playing just five games at Low A, mm-hmm. not even high A. We're talking about low A here, um, and he went five for six. Like he was, he was really good. He hit what eight thirty three or something. He played five games. Well, t- complete in rookie league and uh, A ball. Yes, oh, okay, total, okay. total. Um, he played at the single A level. So then he's already moved up to Double A Rocket City, and that at Joe Doyle, uh, the minor league baseball reporter. I, I guess that's what you call him. He generally covers the Mariners and a lot of other teams, and then spe- specifically the draft. Um, for and I'm going to credit him for 
FSS Plus. Uh, it's a Future Star series thing. Anyway, just wanted to give him his proper credit for this tweet. He absolutely shatters Zach Nettos, who is the current starting shortstop for the Los Angeles Angels. Seven game marks for game below games played below double A. So this is what the Angels have done. Another infielder, uh, actually, uh, excuse me, he plays first base and the outfield, so he's going to play both. Another guy in the Angels system who has played less than seven games at the at any level below double A. And look, I, I guess I get it. I mean, they, they want to really expedite guys. But think about, besides Shohei Otani and Mike Trout, over the last 10 years, how many homegrown Angels stars can you think of? And you could do this exercise for every team, but the Angels have consistently had one of the worst farm systems in baseball. Mm-hmm. I just looked. Bleacher Report has them ranked right now at number 28 after the MLB draft. They consistently promote guys way too quickly. Zach Neto is only 22 years old, and he's playing well. He's, he's about a two-war player right now. He's batting 258 home runs. Things are going okay. 4% better hitter than league average. He's been fine. But to say that he, uh, he only played f- um, less than, let's see, let's see, he played 44 games in the minors before he was promoted to the major leagues. Mm-hmm. Only seven games at double A, as I mentioned before, and then at high A, he played 37. To me, that was a rapid promotion. A guy who's 22 years old, he didn't come out of a super huge school like Vanderbilt or UCLA or one of these massive schools that produces these guys that are just ready from the jump. Like a, you know, like a Kumar Rocker is going to be ready a lot quicker than most other guys in the major leagues just because he was older and he was better, and that's what Vanderbilt generally does. Sure. But this guy went to Campbell University in North Carolina. It's a, it's Love a good, soup. It's, yeah, great. Campbell Soup's fantastic. Um, not a huge school. Not one that's known for producing these talents that everyone just raves about. And he was simply rushed through. And again, he's playing well, but not anything to write home about. Florida Atlantic University for uh, Noah Shaniel. And again, I, I'm sorry for I'm pronouncing his name wrong. I think this is ridiculous. I think you've got to give guys a fair shake in the minor leagues. Let mm-hmm. them play their way to the majors. And at this at this rate, especially have them play... 20, 30, 40 games in the, at AA. AAA, whatever. I mean, a lot of AAA players are MLB rejects, 4A players. I actually think, in a lot of cases, the, the competition is better at AA yeah. because there's just better prospects there. But the fact that this guy played literally, uh, you know, Zach Neto played seven games at AA before he's promoted to the major leagues, maybe that's what's going to happen here with Noah Shaniel. Maybe he plays seven games and the Angels have him in for the playoff run. It could be very possible. The guy, what playoff run? Well, if they make one. They, they, they went out and got, you know, two guys that they think that, that really can help them. Yeah. I, I think it's possible. It's it's possible. They're not doing that unless they think they are. Well, here's, well yeah, but here they need more. They need more. And they could get more. They could, and Yes, they could. I don't know how they're going to with the 28th-ranked farm system. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> well, yeah. And here, here's the thing. The Angels need to ho- revamp their entire minor league development yeah, department. No they went out, was it last year or the year before, where they used all 20 picks in the draft on pitchers? That was uh, 21, yeah. I believe, yeah. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. It's just, it's just like going out and spending all, all 20 picks on first baseman. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. Uh, and now you're promoting these guys. This guy was playing college baseball a month right. and a half ago. right. Month and and, half and he's already at double A. And again, it, maybe if that's you know Spencer Torkelson, whatever, right? Okay. Like that's Jackson Holiday. Jackson, may, I guess maybe Jackson Holiday. But as a high I school mean, guy, yeah, I'm thinking of like the most complete guys, like a, like a Kumar Rocker, as I mentioned mm-hmm. before, or a Spencer Torkelson or Adley Rutschman. If you move them immediately to double A, I'm not gonna have a problem with it, right? Because that's they, they came out of huge schools. These are guys that have that track right. record there. 
Florida Atlantic? I mean, no offense to Florida Atlantic. They're not Vanderbilt. Yeah. <laughs> they're not. They're not. It's not. No, it's 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 a fair point, and it leads you to. And you said maybe they bring them up for the for the playoff run. That makes so little sense to me, and I know well, it makes so little yeah. sense to you also. And the whole thing that the Angels are doing makes so little sense to me, right? Because you're third in your own division. Mm-hmm. You're on the outside looking in at the play, at the playoffs. Texas is kind of faltering right now. Houston Houston could catch them. Right. You have to believe that the that the American League East is getting at least three teams in the playoffs, yeah. if not four. Yeah. You have to have the division winner from the Central. Right. Are you going to pass the Astros? Because you have to pass the Astros, and then, oh, by the way, you also yeah. have to pass the Blue Jays, maybe the Yankees. Yeah. Is that going to happen? Maybe, Doubtful. Maybe, Doubtful. You, you, maybe you pass the Twins. Well, that doesn't matter because yeah. they're not in your division, and they're going to win theirs. Right. So, I get it. I get it. It is a really hard sell to your fan base yeah. to trade the greatest player of all time. And let's make no mistake about it. All credit in the world to to Barry Bonds and um, Willis Wagner and Willie Mays and Ted Williams. You know, Shohei Otani and Babe Ruth. Shohei Otani is the greatest player that I, that ever lived. It's, it's Even on. if he only does this for a couple more years, he is the greatest baseball yeah. player in the history of I the agree. sport. And I was I was hesitant to say that last year. There's no doubt. Yeah. The name one other person on the planet. They would go out in a major league game in a double header and throw a nine inning one hit complete game shutout. Yeah. And an hour later, Oppo Taco. And then 45 minutes later, a, a, a pulled home run shot. And then gets taken out of the game. They give him the rest of the day off. And then the next day, in his first at bat, hits another home run. For what, 39? Is 39. Yeah. This guy is one of the best starting pitchers in baseball. Yeah. And oh, by the way, he leads the majors in home runs. This is what he's doing. He's not going to win the Cy Young, right? But this guy could win 15 games with a three and a half ERA, probably lower, and hit 60 home runs this year. That's stupid. So I I totally understand not wanting to trade that guy. Yeah. I totally understand not being able to tell your fan base, we traded away the greatest player in the history of the sport. I get that. Is he going to sign back with you? You better be damn sure that he's going to sign back with you. Otherwise, I think it's a tougher conversation to say, I let the greatest player in the history of the sport walk away from my team for nothing but a a compensatory pick. Right. Well, and here's my real argument. The Angels, again, as I mentioned, 2014, last time they made the playoffs. Mm -hmm. They haven't really gotten that close again. They really haven't. I mean, I I don't remember many times we were saying, man, the Angels, it's right down to the wire for them. It's not, because they they really don't get there. They've had Mike Trout, who was arguably going to go down as a top 10 great player of all time. Yep. He is. I mean, he's just, he's already there, really. Yeah. He's injured again. Which shouldn't surprise the, anyone. It, that it sucks. I, I honestly think that Mike Trout's never going to be healthy for an entire season again for his career. He's got to be a full time DH. Yeah, and th- yeah. and that sucks because he's so good. He is, but it, he can't play the field anymore. You can't no. let. It's not that he doesn't have the capability. You've got. It's just it's like what, fragile. What the Twins have to do with Byron Buxton. You right. it, fragile. You have got yeah. to keep this guy in the lineup. You got to DH him. I mean, he was already a three war player. 
And, you know, he was only hitting 263, but what he was able to do with the power and the number of other things that Mike Trout does, he's Mike Trout. We, we, yeah. I, I don't have to give you a rundown of why Mike Trout's a great player. Right. But the point is here is that the Angels have had Mike Trout and only given him one playoff appearance in his life. In his whole life. He's only had one playoff appearance. I feel for Mike Trout. I felt for Mike Trout for a while. And wasn't now, it one game? It was one game. It was literally it one was game. It was a wild card game. And it they was lost. a wild card game they lost. Correct. And then Shohei Otani now, who, like you said, is the greatest baseball player to ever walk the earth, is probably going to miss the playoffs this year. Most likely, we think. Mm-hmm. But to, to wrap up my entire point here, it's really it's a it's a hard sell to the fan base to say, Well, you know, Otani's probably walking at the end of this year. We're not going to try to go for it this year. They're in third place right now. They have a chance. They have a winning record. They're four games over 500. They have a legitimate chance. And it'd be a really hard thing to say to your fan base, no, we're not going to go for it. So maybe if we if we look back to what I started with at Noah Shaniel, maybe they say, maybe Noah Shaniel can come up and, and hit for us a little bit because he certainly is hitting so far in the minors in his first six games. And <laughs> you know, So maybe they look at it that way. I, I, I don't know how the Angels are looking at this, but I think they're rushing guys because they feel so desperate to give this fan base any kind of win. Any so, kind of win. So let me ask you this. Wouldn't it behoove them to trade Shohei Otani mm-hmm. in a package? Maybe not a package. Just Shohei Otani yeah. to the San Diego Padres for Blake Snell, Josh Hader, and Juan Soto? Yeah, as, as much as Otani helps their team because he is a 7-3 war player, I think that package actually does better for you because you're You're, you're getting you're a starting out. pitcher, you're yeah. getting an elite reliever, yeah. and you're getting a guy to put, replace Otani's, not fully replace Otani's production, but you're getting a damn good well, baseball you're player a, a, Blake, who's six years younger. Right, and Blake Snell's arguably pitched like an ace. Yeah, I mean, he's a two six one ERA right now. Josh Hader is. He's a, got the best. He's got the lowest ERA in in yeah. the net. I think in baseball. Lights out closer right now in Josh Hader, and then Juan Soto, who's at almost a thousand OPS and tearing the cover off the ball. Not much of a defensive guy, but anymore. But you don't need Juan Soto to be that guy. Yeah, Otani's not that guy. Right, Otani's not that guy. It, it's. It almost seems like to me that would be a better play because if you add the three of them up, they're probably a li- worth a little more than Otani. That's the type of trade that Ari Moreno could make Mm -hmm. and have the fan base not lose their freaking minds. Right. And it keeps you in the playoff chase this year. Yeah. That that trade makes so much sense to me for both sides because the Padres want to try and sign Otani anyway. Mm -hmm. You trade for him. You're replacing your your ace with Otani. You're replacing your big bat with Otani. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, okay, you're losing Hater. You're probably trading him anyway. Yeah, most right? likely. So make the move. Right. That's uh, uh, that's the move. That that is the one move that would make sense. And they'll get the more. Angels. That's the thing. Like the Angels will get more than that. They will get probably a really good prospect with that as well. Yeah, maybe two, maybe three. Yeah, I, I, Shohei Otani's worth is. We really ha- we don't know what to expect with this trade because we've never seen one like it before. But if they, Shohei Otani gets traded, if but they said that they're not trading. Correct. Him. Yeah, I, I think that they that they close themselves off to a potential blo- like the blockbuster of all blockbuster deals that yeah. we will have ever seen in so, the history of baseball. What's your prediction for Otani's contract? That's the biggest question here. I think what I think the conversation this. starts at ten years, five hundred million. I think I, I think more money. I, I, well, I think it starts there. Yeah, I can see him getting above six hundred because you figure he's worth. 40 million as a hitter and he's worth 30 yeah. million as a pitcher. Well, I was gonna That's say, 10 years, $700 million. I was going to say, I think there is a legitimate chance, and people are probably going to come at me for this. I think there is a legitimate chance he gets 85 million a year. That's I, maybe. I, I like, mean, <laughs> there is, there is it's, a, it's stupid money, but we've seen, um, I think it was, there was a soccer player, 
and some club offered him like $750 million to play for them for one year. Probably it was Ronaldo, right? No, no, no. no? This, this was recent. Oh, was... I, this is a guy I've never heard of. I just saw this the other day. Hmm. They offered him $750 million to play for them for one wow. year. I think something held it up. But, I mean, we're, you see... You saw uh, David Beckham get five years, two hundred fifty yeah. million yep. in soccer. You Come see these, these 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 fifty, sixty million dollar a year deals in the NBA. Messi it, is making a ridiculous amount of money right now playing in the MLS. Yeah, and yeah. that's and that's MLS. So you look at the money that MLB owners have and are going to be able to give out. They Otani, also have bigger rosters. Otani is going to be the the best free agent chase we've ever seen in the sport. Yeah, there is going to be no free agent chase more fun than this one. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be absolutely crazy. What's crazy is that we're an hour and fifteen minutes into the show and we haven't taken a single break yet. Let's we got to catch our first break. Toyota Tacoma is a sponsor for the show and it comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. So check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. What are, you, what are you looking for me to do? You're, just you're, go to break. Go straight to break. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's another exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. One of the most special nights of the season on Friday the 4th, Navy Night. Come celebrate the newest plebe class. Back-to-back fireworks carry on to Saturday with our pregame touch-a-truck event. And it's the last of our big hitter bobbleheads, Colton Kowser on Sunday for the first 750 fans. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at BaySox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox, let us be your nine-inning vacation. I'm Michael Jan Grandy, president of AJ Michaels, your carrier energy expert for 44 years. Save money, energy, and make your home more comfortable and virus-free. Find us at AJMichaels.com. That's AJMichaels.com. Your summer destination is closer than you think at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. With an expansive gaming floor and incredible dining options ready for you to explore, your adventure awaits. Dine at the new Coho Korean Barbecue House coming in July or on the patio at the Prime Rib. Enjoy the summertime breeze at Orchid Smoking Patio. Limited time packages starting at $229. What are you waiting for? Book now. At Arundel Mills, must be 21. Please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call one. 800 Gambler. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Hike to new heights. The best view is yours in Washington County. Our iconic scenic overlooks provide some of the most breathtaking vistas in the Mid-Atlantic. Some are very easy walks, some can be driven to, and some are the payoff for a moderate to difficult hike. All are near quaint small towns that offer great dining, shopping, hiking gear, and more. Explore our five national parks for iconic vistas and wineries with breathtaking views. Visit our quaint historic towns and make your stay unforgettable. Learn more at visithagerstown.com. Maryland, be open. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. 
Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get, so get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. Welcome back into the batter round. Rolling right along. For the the record, Zach did finally beat me in golf. We played we <laughs> played last Sunday, and he didn't just beat me. He whooped my ass. I have never. There are very few people that I've played with that have played that well. It was around the Zach's life. He at one uh, point yeah. he birdied yeah. back to back holes. Zach shot an eighty. Yeah, he shot an eighty. Like legitimate. Like a lot of people play mulligans and crap. Zach didn't mm-hmm. take mulligans. Zach yeah. shot legitimately an 80 and it was you were fantastic you you, well you played played so well let's recap the 18th hole real quick uh i (laughs) i was coming in if i par the hole i would have shot a 77 and it just got to my head like i i just froze and i was like okay all right gonna you know round of my life whatever it my, my my low before that was not close to 80 so i was like okay you know let's let's do this let's let's shoot a a really good 18th hole let's do it my tee shot goes into the water Mm mm-hmm so, uh, needless to say, triple bogeyed it, ended up at well, and an the, 80. The thing is, Zach hit two bad shots. The, the drive, it's not a bad shot. The if way the it water came up, hadn't it, been there. If the water's been... not there, it would it, it would have been a good shot. Yeah. It, that's, it, yeah. The 18th hole is a difficult hole mm-hmm. because half of the hole is grass and half the hole yep. is water. Yep. Right? And if So, if you hit a ball that's even slightly right, yep. it, it's, you're screwed. That wasn't the bad shot. Zach hit two bad shots, and they were both with his hybrid four. Mm-hmm. Um, one was on nine. Yeah. No, not not nine. One was on eight, and one was on 18. And they were the same shot. Yeah. Ascent- well, no. The one you just hooked really badly. Well, the, the one, on, I, the on, one on I, closed, I closed the face, I hooked it. But on 18, what happened was I was 190 out, and that's usually like five-ish six iron for me mm-hmm. i'm not really comfortable with my five iron and then i went out there on tuesday and hit a beautiful five iron two, you know 200 yards perfectly but i just didn't have the confidence to hit it and i didn't want to you know i i was again i was thinking okay i'm gonna shoot in the 70s i i don't want to pull a five iron so I, I thought okay i'll grip down on a hybrid and hit like a three-quarter hybrid it just went full it went it, it, he, went, it he, sailed he, over he the green launched it over the green into yeah. a sand trap behind the green and, yeah. and, and uh, it was so funny he, he goes this isn't even a real sand trap. It wasn't. This, it was this, awful. This doesn't. This shouldn't count as a sand trap. I shouldn't have to hit out of this. And it's like, well, I it mean, was it's garbage. It's, it's all sand. And, yeah, but and, it, but and, and the sand trap sucks. It it it, it is. It's this shallow sand trap, yeah. but it's on the top of a hill, mm-hmm. literally ninety degree hill. Yeah. That's right above the green. Yep. That's also on a hill. So unless you hit the perfect chip shot. Yeah. You're kind of in bad shape, and so Zach did what anybody would have done. If you're not a pro, mm-hmm. the one of two things is happening there: you're chipping it off the off the off the green, mm-hmm. or you're leaving it well short because you're hitting it scared. Exactly. Zach hit it scared. Yeah. You put the Zach in exactly. Mm-hmm. Um. All right, well, Z- sure. He hit it scared, so now he's laying five on the fringe of the green. He has yeah. to de- be up and down. No, I'm sorry. He's laying he's laying four 
on the fringe of the green, and he has to be up and down in two yep. to shoot a 79. And his, t- <laughs> his, his next chip shot then goes 12 feet past the cup. And yeah. if you play with Zach, he's not a, he's a way better putter than he used to be, but he's still not the world's greatest putter. Not the world's greatest putter. And didn't come close to making no. that 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 putt for six. I will say I, I gotta find like a practice bunker though somewhere though. Because when I get in bunkers, I it's like it's a wild card for me. I, I don't know what's gonna happen. Go to Geneva. Yeah, Gene- Geneva's Geneva's got them and yeah, they've they've got a practice. You know who actually bunker. has a really nice practice bunker is and I'm blanking the name of it right now, Greystone. Greystone has a really yeah, nice they practice do. bunker. They do. They have a couple of them, actually. Yeah. We are so behind on this show right now. Time now for the payoff pitch around the league. Grayson Rodriguez delivered the best performance of his young career, shutting out the Yankees over six and a third three-hit innings, and Anthony Santander crushes 18th home run of the season, a walk-off bomb in the bottom of the ninth to spoil Garrett Cole's seven shutout inning performance as the Orioles took down the Yankees one to nothing. No, the Orioles won four games last year, one to nothing. Luis Arias collected three hits, and Brian De La Cruz doubled in homer, driving in three to back six innings of one-run ball from Braxton Garrett to lead the Marlins over the Tigers 6-5. Kyle Schwarber provided all the offense the Phillies would need, blasting a two-run shot, and Zach Wheeler struck out 11 over six and two-thirds innings of one-run ball to pick up the win over the Pirates 2-1. Shoei Otani hit a first-inning home run, his third in as many at-bats, but it was all the offense that... It was all the offense the going for it Angels can muster as Lucas Giolito allowed two home runs in his Halos debut while Kevin Gossman struck out nine over six solid innings to lead the Blue Jays over the Angels 4-1. to one. Luis Robert homered in the first and Jake Berger homered in the sixth to back five shutout innings from Tuki Toussaint as the White Sox took one from the Guardians 3-0. Pete Alonso homered twice and Max Scherzer dominated his former club over seven innings as the Mets claimed victory over the Nationals 5-1. Six Braves hitters tallied multi-hit games including Matt Olson, Austin Riley, and Marcelo Zuna, who each homered the power of the Braves past the Brewers 10-7. Brandon Lau stole the show, collecting two hits, including his 12th home run, while also stealing a base as the Rays squeaked by the Astros 4-3. Trailing 5-4 in the bottom of the 10th, Bobby Witt Jr. stepped to the plate and collected his fourth and biggest hit of the game, a walk-off grand slam to lead the last-place Royals over the first-place Twins 8-5. With the game tied at 2, Trey Mancini stepped to the plate in the sixth inning and lined a single to center, sending Ian Happ across the plate with the eventual game-winning run, a fitting hit for a struggling Mancini on Mo Gabaday as the Cubs beat the Cardinals 3-2. Ramon Laureano homered and drove in two, and six A's hitters recorded multi-hit efforts in an 8-5 victory over the Rockies. The Mariners scored four in the first, more than enough for Logan Gilbert, who allowed two runs while pitching into the seventh in the Mariners' 5-2 victory over the struggling Arizona. Tatis homered, Machado drove in three, and Joe Musgrove dazzled with six shutout innings to lead the Padres over the Rangers 7-1. Lucas Fraley and Spencer Steer each homered, and a late Dodgers rally fell just short as the Reds held off L.A. 6-5. And finally, Tristan Casas homered, doubled, and drove in two to pace the offense, while Cutter Crawford delivered a fine performance, spinning five and two-thirds innings of one-run ball with seven Ks to push the Red Sox past the Giants 3-2. Zach, what do you got on tap today? We got the 10th overall pick against the 11th overall pick to start the day. Angels and Blue Jays at 3.07 at the Rogers Center. So That's was it, Reed Detmers and Alec Manoa. Was the Angels pitcher picked this year? Uh, no. <laughs> this was, Reed. I think, 2020 for Reed Detmers. I, I, uh, 2021. I, no, 2020 was drafted. I was right. All right. Bo, uh, Bo Brisky and Johnny Cueto go head-to-head. Tigers and Marlins. That's 410 at Lone Depot Park. Phillies at Pirates. Aaron Nola, Quinn Priester, 705 in 
Pittsburgh, Nationals and Mets in division matchup. Patrick Corbin goes against Carlos Carrasco. Two veterans there. That's 7-10 at City Field. Twins and Royals, Bailey Ober, Jordan Lyles, the former Oriole, who's looking for his second win of the season after losing 12 games. That's 7-10 at Coffin Stadium. Logan Allen, the rookie, goes for the Guardians against To Be Determined, our favorite pitcher for the White Sox, 7-10 in Chicago. James Paxton, the veteran lefty, goes against Ryan Walker, the righty, Red Sox, and Giants, 7-15 Oracle Park. Jameson Tyone goes against Adam Wainwright, the veteran righty. Cubs and Cardinals, 7-15 at Bush Stadium. Taj Bradley goes for the Raids. Hunter Brown goes for the Astros, 7-15 in Houston. Your Baltimore Orioles will start Tyler Wells at Oriole Park. Against the New York Yankees tonight, Clark Schmidt on the mound for the Yankees, 7-15 for the O's tonight. Julio Teheran versus Bryce Elder, Braves and Brewers, 7-20 in Atlanta. Paul Blackburn, the righty, who could very well be traded in the next few days, goes against Chris Flexen. Rockies and Athletics, 8-10 at Coors Field. Brian Wu takes on Brandon Fatt, I believe that's how you say it. Uh, Mariners and D-backs, 8-10 at Chase Field. Martin Perez, the veteran lefty, goes against you, Darvish, the veteran righty. Padres and Rangers, 840 at Petco Park. And finally, the Reds and the Dodgers, Luke Weaver, Emmett Sheehan, 910 at Dodger Stadium. Very nice, very nice indeed. That segment today brought to you by PressBox Online Offers. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers now and get $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after placing your first $5 bet. See this and other great sportsbook offers at PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Offers. Got to catch another break when we come back in. Orioles banter, some deadline meanderings, and then everybody's favorite broadcaster, Ben McDonald, joins the program. That's next on the Battle Round. It's a Maryland thing you wouldn't understand. Where the waves meet the shore, you will find Dorchester County. Hi, this is Jimmy Charles. When I think of Maryland, I think Dorchester County on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. 
Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. Soak up summertime fun in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouth-watering eats, and endless entertainment. Cheer on the O's at Camden Yards. Pick crabs by the waterfront. Beat the heat inside a world-class museum and make memories that will last a lifetime. Go to Baltimore.org for more information and to plan your visit. I'm Griffin Bass, and I have the extraordinary, mind-blowing, and life-affirming pleasure of being the new producer for the absolute funniest, smartest, and most handsome sports host in all of Baltimore. Wait a second. Glenn. I'm working for you, not Jeremy Kahn. If you're not listening to Glenn Clark Radio, here's what you're missing. He's Coach Kevin Willard. Glenn, thanks for having me. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Mr. Marcus Williams, who's now with us. Man, I appreciate it. Happy to be on. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. He is Gunnar Henderson. Thank you all so much. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me, I had a great time. It's a great Ray Lewis. Always good to be home. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Watch Glenn Clark Radio at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio or anytime on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or anywhere you get your podcasts. I'm Michael Jan Grandy, president of AJ Michaels, your carrier energy expert for 44 years. Save money, energy, and make your home more comfortable and virus-free. Find us at ajmichaels.com. That's ajmichaels.com. All electronic tolling is here to stay in Maryland. And DriveEasyMD.com helps you cruise a little easier. We're Maryland's tolling resource. Home to EasyPass, pay-by-plate, and video tolling. It's never been easier to pay your way. DriveEasyMD.com will keep you moving. Welcome back to the batter. I'm rolling right along here in our number two. Just a matter of moments until we get Ben McDonald on the program. But before that, it's kind of a significant date coming up on Tuesday, and that is MLB's trade deadline. And the Orioles expected to be hopefully active at the deadline. Michael Elias made some, made some comments in a press conference yesterday to Baltimore Media saying that he believes the Orioles are World Series contenders, that they're going to make a run at it this year, but he's also not going to you know, burn the entire farm system to the ground to make a run for this year. That's about sustained success and making runs in multiple years for the foreseeable future. Totally understand that. Anybody with a two set with, with two eyeballs, anybody with one eye, anybody with one, yeah. can, anybody that can't see but can hear, can understand that this ball club needs pitching. That this yep. ball club needs yep. another another player or two, probably another reliever, probably another starting pitcher, um, to really make that final push that they need to get over the finish line and be one of the favorites in the postseason. With that in mind, young Zach Man. Young Zach Man. Zachary Allen. Z- young Zachary <laughs> Allen. Um, in your dream scenario, okay. what are the Orioles doing at the deadline to revamp this ball club? And this doesn't include guys that are already off the table, right? Like, I, I yeah. can't say Otani. Right. I'm, we're talking about, like, okay. when I say dream scenario, I'm talking realistic. Okay. Dream. Got it, got it, got it. I think Jordan Hicks is the most realistic dream for me. 
because the guy is really, really good, and he has been for a long time. Like If you look back at Jordan Hicks's career, you don't find many bad seasons. A guy that knows how to pitch, been on a winning team. I mean, the Cardinals, before this year, were in and out of the playoffs basically every year. Um, and, and sure, they didn't win a World Series. They didn't go to a World Series with, with Jordan Hicks. But the guy has experience, and I like that. I also think that in that same way, Jordan Montgomery is a really good choice. He's been to the playoffs with the Yankees. Now, you know, he's, he's pitched on winning teams basically his entire career. He's had a few bad years. Like you, I, I think his second year, his rookie year was quite good, and then his second year was quite bad. But outside of that, he's been pretty, pretty solid and pretty average. I think those are a perfect package deal for the Orioles to go after. If you get those two guys, you're really systematically changing your team like there's so many things that these guys can do and, and help you if you throw Jordan Hicks in the eighth inning you move Kano to the sixth Fujinami takes the seventh something along that you have a really formidable back end of the bullpen that to me Jordan Hicks Jordan Montgomery the two Jordans go get them so you I'm looking at Jordan Hicks because mm-hmm. I don't rem- I remember him having a fl- flamethrower for an arm but not having numbers that matched it and I'm looking at his career in his best year was oh he only threw 29 games in 2019 but he was 2 and 2 with a 3.14 ERA uh and with 14 saves he struck out 31 um in 28 and 2 thirds innings this year he struck out 59 and 41 in 2 thirds innings with a 3.67 ERA for his career he's got a 3.98 ERA yeah, that's coming good. out of the bullpen I'll, I'll take that that's not great I'll as, take it. as a reliever as a as a reliever, if you're going to be a guy who I who I have pitching back end of my bullpen, your ERA's got to be below three. His FIP also is 302 this year, and his FIP is his career much lower than his ERA is. Which for some, I mean, for most guys that's true, but a lot of other guys that that isn't. Um, and a three six seven career FIP, the strikeouts per nine, he's almost striking out ten guys per nine. I think I just think there's a lot no, of his, peripherals his, to his, like his strikeouts per nine this year. Well, it's twelve seven. Twelve seven. Yeah, three strikeouts per nine higher than his previous career high and at career 9.7. Car- career at nine point six. I, I just think there's a lot to like here. Only .5 hits, uh, home runs per nine. That's pretty low. Um, you know, and obviously he's he's a relief pitcher, so I guess that that number gets a little bit skewed there. The per nine. I'm not sure how they actually do that for relief pitchers, but regardless, .5 is is really good. Uh, the WHIP maybe not where you want to see it. One three two for a career. But look, I I overall think, especially looking at that strikeout per nine number this year at at twelve point seven, the ERA at three six seven, the FIP at three oh two. I, I like it. I really like it. And only, I guess I, I didn't realize he had a 540 ERA in 2021, but the FIP that year was only 417. So it shows that he was a and lot that, better. And that than, was only in 10 games. And only in 10 games. Yeah. And the rest of his career, he's been under, you know, under a 5 ERA. He's been pretty good. Und- he's a reliever. I, I know. He's but a, under that, a 5 ERA is not a benchmark. Well, okay. So last year, he had a 484 ERA. In 35 games. And he had he had negative .4 war last year. That, mm-hmm. Not not a great year. But I'd still argue that I'd much rather have him, last year's version of him, throwing the Brian Baker would right now. I'd much Brian rather have Baker's that. Brian Baker's ERA is a full run better. I, I don't know, man. I, 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 do, I think, that I think you, they that, need a replacement for Brian Baker. Oh, 100%. I don't, tr- I, I don't, I don't trust Brian Baker in a regular I'm season trusting game. I'm Jordan let, Hicks. Let, let, let alone a playoff game. Jordan Hicks has been fine this year. I'd like, I'd like to see a little bit better. I'd like to see a little bit better. Now, look, if you're going to go out and you're going to get Jordan Montgomery and Jordan Hicks, I'd love that. That would be awesome. And now, now you have, you have legitimately in Hicks, Fujinami, and um, Bautista three guys at the back end of your bullpen yeah. that can throw 100 miles an hour or higher. That's cool, yeah. and that's that that's really good. No doubt. 
Uh, and then when you include Grayson Rodriguez, who's been touching 101, um, it, th- that would be that would be something. But I, I just don't know that he's the best reliever for this team right now. But I'm not gonna you know be upset if that's the move that they make. For me, you've got Fuji, you've got Bautista, you've got Coulomb. Uh, Voth is coming back. Maybe he'll be okay. I don't know. Um, you're wondering how much the injury hampered him all year. Um, I don't really trust him. Yeah. I really don't. Yeah, but you really trusted him. We all really trusted him last year. Oh, yeah, that's true. You know, I, I mean, what a difference a season can make. But if he's back healthy, if he was injured, you never know. Um, so I look at it, for me, I want Marcus Stroman. I, I, I want Marcus Stroman. He's opting out at the end of the year, so it's not going to cost you the top part of your farm system to get him. And I think that he makes... Of course, the Cubs have won six or seven games in a row at this point now to get themselves back into the playoff picture. So he might not be available. But for me, it's either go get Josh Hader or go get Marcus Stroman. If you get Marcus Stroman, your rotation is legitimate. If you get Josh Hader, your rotation is fine the way it is because now you have legitimately... Five guys in the back end of your bullpen that who who you trust to to get outs, um, yeah, and and it lets you take some of the pressure off of Cano because Cano, Josh Hader and Felix Bautista that's eight nine every game every game that you need your eighth and ninth inning guys to hold a lead for you for the most part yeah it's gonna be Hader and Bautista and Cano can kind of pitch in lower leverage situations and he can get some rest yeah because I have no doubt his arm slots lower now I have no doubts that a lot of this is just fatigue because he's pitching more than he ever has right yeah. right so for me going out and getting a guy like uh, like a Josh Hader just improves his ball club oh, yeah. so much I still I still think they need a bat I really do. I'm with you. I really do, but I don't think they're going to get one. I see, I think it's not... If, if you look at the lineup as a whole, you might say, okay, the numbers are pretty good. But then you look at the home run column, and there just aren't that many guys who hit home runs on this team. The Orioles have not done that well home run-wise this year. And yeah. I, I don't know what place they're in, but last time I checked, it was like not all that high. Santander has a lot of home runs this year. You 18. know, I, I, I mean, 18, but major I mean, leader has 39. I was going to say Shohei is a little bit uh, above everyone else, but I, I don't know what the who's right behind Shohei, but I assume they're somewhere in the 30s. It's uh, Matt Olson. Matt Olson, 30, okay. 33. Yeah, so I mean, I, I, Shohei's quite above the, the, the bar here, but I think they need someone else who can legitimately who can legitimately go out there and be a home run threat. And maybe that guy's Ryan O'Hearn. Maybe he starts hitting for a little more power. I would have thought Ryan O'Hearn would have more home runs right now than he does. Yeah. But he's turned into kind of an all-around hitter rather than the home run hitter he was at the beginning of his career, which is fine. But I just think there's Adley Rushman hasn't really shown the home run power we thought he'd have. Gunnar Henderson hasn't really done, I mean, what, I 15 mean, this year so he, far? He's got 16. Rushman's, 16. Rushman's got 14. Okay. Um, the, the, the team has 121, which is dead middle of the American League. They're eighth in the American League with 121 home runs. Yeah. You've got Rutschman with 14, Henderson with 16, Tantan there with 18, and Mount Castle and Adam Frazier each have 12. But Adam Frazier isn't a power hitter. You know what I mean? He's just a guy who's put a good swing on the ball 12 times. Right. You right. know what I mean? More than 12 times, but you know what I mean. Um, Austin Hayes, I think his power numbers are down. To be perfectly honest with you, Ryan O'Hearn, he's got nine home runs in 59 games. Yeah. I can't believe he's only played 59 games. I mean, you, you extend that out over an entire season. I mean, that's about a 25 homer season. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. By the way, I think Ryan O'Hearn has to be firmly in your plans for 24. Like, yeah. firmly in your plans. Yeah, I I, I think After you, can, this season. you can say that. The, the way that he's um 
He's only signed through this year. Well, no, he's arbitration eligible. So he, um, yeah, he'll go to arbitration. Yeah, yeah, he's a free agent in twenty twenty five. So he's he's under your team control for the next two years. Yeah, I think O'Hearn has to be in your plans. I think that the Orioles, though, for the sake of the title of this, uh, the deadline um, dealings, the Orioles have to do something. Yeah, you know, you you can't be the t- the the team with the second best record in baseball and stand pat. Because your team's, you're already showing signs of the team slowing down yeah. as far as the rotation is concerned. The bullpen hasn't been very good. They, if they do nothing else but get a relief arm, I think they're at least doing, doing that. But I think I agree with Stan. I think they're going to get a reliever and a starter. And I think that honestly, I think I agree with you. I think the most likely package would be something for Jordan Montgomery and Jordan Hicks. I'd love it. I mean, it, I, it, it, it makes sense. And if you want to throw Paul Goldschmidt in there, and we'll throw that in, would be. Know, <laughs> we'll throw in somebody. You know, who, who would you realistically throw? I'd throw in Heston Kersad if you got Paul Goldschmidt. If you were giving I me Paul, Paul Goldschmidt and he's under team control for next year too, I'd throw in Heston Kersad. Yeah, with yeah. that, because um, you know that. You're gonna have Kowser, you're gonna have Mullins. Santander is probably gonna be around next year because Santander's yeah. still on, he's only 28. Yeah, you know. And then you think about the fact that Kobe Mayo can probably is probably gonna be playing first base for you at some point next year. You also have Ryan O'Hearn in your in your plans. I'm okay. I want Kerstad in Baltimore, but if it's Same. gonna give me Paul Goldschmidt for this year and for next year, along with yeah. Hicks and Montgomery, I think you have to pull the trigger on that deal. We're not that far away from seeing what's going to happen. It's only about 72 hours and then the, and some change um, before we know for sure what the Orioles are going to do. I'm all, I'm all but certain they'll do something. If they don't make a sure. move, I will be shocked. I will be absolutely shocked. Yeah, they'll do something. And again, like I said last show, I really feel it's going to be that Fujinami type of guy where they, they try to find a really high-reward, low-risk guy. I still think that, and my gut is what says what I think Michael Elias might do. And maybe they feel that guy's Jordan Hicks. I mean, there's not really a lot of risk. Really, I mean, he. he I mean, there, there kind of is, but I guess depending I on what know. you give up. But we, that's that's a huge question mark. We gotta get Ben on the phone. Uh, ben McDonald coming up in a matter of moments. In the meantime, I want to remind you today's show brought to you by by Pressbox's Glenn Clark Radio, which is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show every weekday from ten to noon at YouTube.com/slash Pressbox Online or Facebook.com/slash Pressbox Sports. Or listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, Glenn was off, but Stan the Fan and Ken Zalas still had a great week of guests, including Orioles legend Rick Dempsey and Bataround legend Paul Valley. You can find those interviews and more. That's not in the read. I added that. You can find those interviews and more right now in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. Joining us now on the bat around, one of our favorite guests, Orioles broadcaster, former number one overall pick for the Baltimore Orioles. He is Ben McDonald. Ben, it's Paul. It's Zach. Thank you so much for taking some time to come on the show today. How are you? My pleasure, guys. How are you? Doing really well, especially after that Orioles one nothing victory last night. Orioles, best record in the American League, second best record in all of baseball. Trade deadline approaching here in a matter of days. Ben, let's talk about last night's game. How impressive was Grayson Rodriguez? Is this the best you've ever seen him? Yeah, uh, the best I've ever seen him, and it wasn't even close. Like, this is, uh, you know, considering it's the Yankees, considering you're at home, uh, what's on the line now, what the Orioles are playing for, where they are in the standings, you know you're facing Garrett Cole, and Run's going to be at a premium because he's simply one of the best in baseball. Uh, I thought Grayson Rodriguez, it was the best I've seen him. The velocity was up again. 
his fastball command was the best that I, I, I'd ever seen it by far. And that's the reason why he threw about 10% more fastballs than what he typically does in an outing. You know, he just kept shoving that high-velocity fastball in there in the zone. He pitched ahead in the county through a lot of strike ones and was able to get to his changeup and a few breaking balls, but he did most of the damage with the fastball. So I was impressed with Grayson Rodriguez. I think that's the guy that most people thought that he would eventually be. I think we'll see this in spurts from time to time, but in a couple of years from now, that might be the guy you see go out there and do that two out of three times. Ben, the thing with Grayson, and it may have just been worked out this way by chance, he is facing every team's ace. I mean, his first career start, he goes up against Jacob DeGrom, who might be the best pitcher in the world if he could stay healthy. He goes up against Cole. He's gone up against Shane McClanahan. Uh, how big is that for his development and for his growth as a pitcher to be matched up against the aces of every other team that he faces? Well, you know, it makes it tough. And, and you know, going in, people say, well, you don't pitch against the other pitcher. But you really do because you know when you face a Garrett Cole or a DeGrom or somebody like that, Runs are going to be at a premium, and there's a good chance that you're not going to get many runs. So what it does, though, it wears on you mentally because you know that every pitch that comes out of your hand could potentially you know, lose the ball game, and that's why it wears on you mentally. And so it's tough, but it also speeds up the process of the premium and the value of going out and pitching and figuring out how to minimize damage. And, you know, everybody made a big deal out of Grayson his, his first time up, his first 10 starts, but I kept telling people, five of those 10 starts, he only gave up two earned runs or less than five of ten. Now, the other five, it was a high number. Mm. Uh, and so it's a learning process. It's a learned trait to try to figure out how you minimize damage when you do get a tough inning going on. I think that's what Grayson has to learn. But when he has his A game like he did last night, he can stack zeros with anybody in the game. Yeah, he was absolutely fantastic last night. I loved Brandon High letting him go back out for the seventh, something he hasn't really done at the minor league level. Um, do you like the trust in putting Grayson Rodriguez in that situation? And you even mentioned on the broadcast, and I think we all knew, it was going to be a quick hook. If As soon as he allowed a base runner in the seventh thing, he was probably coming out. But the confidence that Brandon Hyde showed in him to let him go back out for that seventh inning, what does that mean to a young player on his way up? It just gives you confidence. It gives you confidence to know that the skipper trusts you in high leverage situations, even though you're into the sixth inning or into the seventh inning. It just lets you know, and it makes you feel better, and it brings your confidence level to an all-time high when, when Skipper says, hey, I trust you in a nothing-nothing ballgame to go out there and stack out of the zero. I felt like Grace had a real shot of going back out for the seventh. Then he had that long sixth inning, that long final at bat right there where he ended up throwing about 28 pitches. I said, ah, oh, he might be done, but I love the fact he shoved him back out there again and let him go do his thing. And I felt like it was going to be a quick hook as soon as one guy got on. That would probably be the end of the night for Grace Rodriguez. But that's how you learn – at the big league level, as you get yourself deeper in the ball game, you figure out how to get there. Yeah, it certainly bodes well for this team moving forward if Grayson Rodriguez can go out and do what he did last night, meandering through a dangerous uh, Yankees lineup, but a dangerous lineup that has a few guys on the back nine of their careers. And then Aaron Judge, he comes back in the lineup, four plate appearances, three walks, no rehab stint for Judge Ben. Does, does to you, does that say where the Yankees view themselves offensively? That it's like, you know what, we got to get this guy in the lineup as, as soon as possible, or is it just was that up to the player and he just felt like he needed to be back? Uh, look, I think it could be a little bit of both. You know, I mean, play, all players are different, and veteran players know when they're ready. And mm-hmm. you know, it's not the first time that some veteran players have gotten hurt, missed some time, faced some live pitching and, and simulated games, and said, "Hey, I don't need a rehab start. I'm ready to go." You know, and so. That's not that uncommon. 
to your point, though, I, I think it's go time for the Yankees. And I say that because of their next three series. They got three, of course, or two, two left against the Orioles. And they go home and they face the Rays for four, and they got the Astros for three after that. So they're playing three of the best teams in baseball their next three series. And you know, if you look where they're at right now, the nine games out of first place, they're chasing that last wild card spot right now. It's certainly go time for them. So I think there's certainly some urgency there. There's no doubt about that. And let's make no mistake about it. The Orioles are one of the best teams in baseball. 63-40, and 40, best record in the American League. Ben, you were uh, you were drafted in 1989, and you came up um, th- that same summer to join the Why Not Orioles. You played on some really good Orioles teams from 92 through 95. You were around this team to see the run with Buck, Mar- with Buck Martinez, with Buck Showalter from 2012 through 2016. Where does this 2023 version of the Baltimore Orioles rank amongst the great teams you've been a part of in terms of talent and potential to win a championship? Well, I mean, if you're talking about a young core, you know, I go back to those teams, you know, 14 and 15, 16, those were a lot of veteran players on those teams, big-time veteran players, right? This is a, a younger core of guys that are still trying to figure out the big league level. I mean, Rutschman's in his first full season at the big league level right now. You know, you talk about Gunnar Henderson in his first full year at the big league level. You, Jordan Westberg uh, got a half a year at the big leagues. You know, you go around the infield. Rias has been around a little bit. Anthony Santin there. Malcastle's been around a little bit. But it's still a very – when you talk about the position player group, you're talking about still one of the top five youngest position player groups in baseball. And so it's not a veteran team, but i tell you what it is. It's a hungry team, and it's a team that wants to win. It's a team that's going to fight you for everything that they've got every time they step on the field. And I think Brandon Hyde deserves a lot of credit for that. It's just the culture that he's built over there. It's a young court has come up through the minor leagues together winning and expecting to win when they get to big league level. I always tell people, you don't know what you don't know. And, and these, these kids are growing up before our very eyes, and people say, how are they doing what they're doing? Well, they don't know any better. The only thing they know is it's the big leagues. And Gunnar Henderson, for example, he goes from shortstop to third base like it's nothing, and he makes it look easy. That's hard to do, but that's yeah. all Gunnar Henderson knows. Jordan Westberg goes from second to third. He does it all the time, but that's all he knows. He doesn't know it's, not, it's a difficult thing to do. And so it's a winning culture that they've built, sprinkled in some really veterans that made a difference. And, 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 look, it is said all the time by a lot of commentators from every one of their teams, well, our team is really close. Well, they really enjoy each other's company. This team, simply, it's true. I mean, that's all you can say. This team loves one another. There's a card game going on every day when we're on the airplane. There's a card game in the clubhouse before every game. They hang out together on the off days. They truly enjoy each other's company, and I think it matters. They're pulling for each other. I mean, they all have their individual goals. But I've said this about this team starting last year. This team plays for what's on the front of the jersey, not what's on the back of the jersey. They are all in to win. It's about winning at whatever cost. And so that's what I love about this team. They continue to stay hungry, and they continue to, you know, the one-run victories are off the charts this year, guys. It's 20-10 and 10 in yeah. one-run games this year, and that's a phenomenal number. No, it, it's absolutely incredible. And you can see the camaraderie on the team and the way that they play on the field, the way they celebrate together. It. It's it's obvious when you watch this team play day in and day out. But I think it's also obvious that this team, while very good, they probably need another move or two, right? And we're, we're coming up here on the trade deadline Tuesday afternoon. Ben, let's put on your front office hat for a second. Let's say Mike Elias comes to you and says, Ben McDonald, I cannot do this without you. What move should we make to put the Orioles over the top 
What are you doing to put mm. the Orioles over the top for the for this uh, for a World Series run? Well, let, let's start with a starting pitcher. Um, the way I look at this, and I told this to somebody the other day, it feels like Mike Elias is not wanting a two month rental from a starting pitcher that he's got to give up a lot to get there. I just sure. don't feel like he's going to do that, and, and and I don't blame him for that. It's kind of like sitting at the card table all night and you're playing Texas Hold'em. And you've worked four hours, and you've got this pile of chips in front of you all night long. And then on the very last hand, somebody tries to push you all in. And now, do you take your chips and go home and say, no, I'm folding, or do I push all in and, and really gamble? And for me, I think that's where the Orioles are right now. I don't uh, – a two-month rental to give away three of my best prospects doesn't make sense to me. This almost feels more like one more reliever, uh, more of a back-end guy, seventh, eighth inning guy. To kind of bridge another gap to be able to get to Batista on the back end. That's what it feels like for me, you know. And I feel like the trade for the starting pitcher has already happened. I think it's great to Rodriguez. I think that's that's your guy if he pitches like he did. That's almost like a trade. Another thing to think about: John Means will be available. We hope in September he could be a difference maker. And another DL Hall sounds like he's getting pretty close. And DL Hall could come back out of the bullpen and do what he did last September for the Orioles, which I think is a real possibility. You go out and make one more move. You got a couple of other things happening in September as well, and it might be enough. Because it was interesting when Michael Elias was asked yesterday, "Do you think this team has enough right now to make a a good run in the playoffs?" He said, "Absolutely." So that's what that tells me. Tells me all I needed to know about that. So look, there may not be a move being made because Michael Elias is not going to. We know he's not going to make a move unless it totally benefits the Orioles, and he feels like it's a win-win for him all the way around. He ain't going to trade a guy just to pick up a guy because everybody wants him to. So it's very calculated uh, for Michael Elias. I could see potentially one more move, but I could also see the Orioles holding Pat, staying where they are, hoping D.L. Hall, John Means, and Grayson Rodriguez continues to pitch like he did last night. Is there concern on your end for, I mean, you're getting really nice seasons out of uh, Kyle Bradish, Tyler Wells, Dean Kramer has been, more good than bad this year. Grayson Rodriguez looks much improved in his second stint in the big leagues. All of these guys are coming up on career highs for innings pitched at any level. Is there concern there that they might hit that wall? We've seen a little bit um, less than what we're used to with Tyler Wells' last couple of starts. Are you nervous that they potentially could be hitting that wall um, right as the Orioles are starting to make that playoff run? Absolutely. I think that's a, that, that's, that's a serious thought right now. And, but look, we knew this going in, right? I mean, that was a big talk in spring training is we had a lot of young guys who were potentially, if they stayed healthy, we're going to hit their career highs and innings pitch. Tyler Wells, I think, is already there. Bradish, Kramer, it, it, it's coming for them too. Uh, but I also know what Mike Elias said. He said, you know, that's, we're just going to keep an eye. We don't have limitations on anybody as of right now. We just want to keep an eye on what our eyes tell us what we're seeing from our guys right now. Bradish and Kramer, to me, are getting better. Now, Tyler Wells has backed up a little bit his last couple starts, and we'll have to wait and see what he looks like when he pitches uh, tomorrow. And uh, I'm hoping he's going to be a lot better. Uh, I'm hoping that, that, that the command is back for Tyler Wells. But it is a concern. There's no doubt there's a concern there. And that's why most people thought, okay, do we need to go out and get a starting pitcher? But I just don't feel like that's going to happen unless you pull a deal off and you've been able to get a starting pitcher that has a little bit of club control. Now, I would be up for that if you were to go get, you know, a, a, a real dude that, that can give you too much this year and maybe a year next year as yeah. well. I think potentially that's something that the Oars would look at. But a two-month rental just doesn't feel 
like that's going to happen. So I think they roll with what they have. And again, I, I'm hoping, I think they're hoping that John Means maybe can make a difference in September in case somebody does begin to tire a little bit. Yeah, I think John Means, even if it's out of the bullpen, because we know that his limits are going, his innings are going to be monitored um, as he comes back from Tommy John surgery. Even if it's out of the bullpen, it, he, I think he can really help this ball club down the stretch. Now, the Orioles offensively, they just come off a road trip where they scored 3.8 runs per game. They win a game last night, one to nothing. I get it. That's against Garrett Cole and the league's best bullpen. That's understandable. Do you think that the Orioles need to add a bat to this team, or is it only a matter of time before Calzer and Westberg get going and then maybe Heston Kerstad plays the role of a 2022 Gunnar Henderson and comes up in August to help for the stretch run? Yeah, look, you know, he was asked that question, and and Michael Elias was, and he said, you know, if we make a move, it almost sounds like, now, he can throw everybody a curveball and and go get a position player, but I really feel like if you get Cedric Mullins healthy again, swinging the bat like he could swing it, mm-hmm. he's a difference maker, right? And I think he's the biggest one for me that I want to see get going because what's the, when the world's offense was really popping early in the year at midpoint is when Jorge Mateo and Mullins were on base, they were still in bases, they were creating havoc. If you notice, our stolen bases have gone way down since Mateo has pretty much been, you know, a platoon-type player playing a couple times a week. And, of course, Mullins been on the I.L. The stolen bases have gone to almost nothing now. Yeah. And that was a big part of the Orioles game. So I think, you know, you're going to have to have some guys pick up the pace a little bit. I mean, Santander had some struggles on the road trip, no doubt. Big swing last night. Others are struggling a little bit. And as you mentioned, I think it's like 3.4 runs per game now the last eight games. But yet they found a way to win five of those because the pitching has been the best it's been. I mean, our starters are one of the best in the American League in the month of July, pitching to an ERA of about 3.3 right now. So that's the good news. But – I think the offense does need to pick it up. It's, it's difficult, though. You, you'll play four against the Rays, and they have the best pitching in baseball. You know, they can shut you down. The Phillies aren't bad either. they got a solid bullpen. And then, of course, you run into the, the Yankees, who have the best bullpen in baseball. So it's been tough. But we knew it was going to be tough coming back out of the All-Star break. You had six consecutive series against teams above 500. You have ten consecutive series against teams that are expected to be playoff teams when the season began this year. So it's a difficult time right now. The good news is the pitching is carrying the load right now. And I think it's really a matter of time before this offense starts to heat up a little bit. But I think Cedric Mullins, getting him back hopefully the next couple weeks, will be a difference maker for this offense. And we certainly saw right before the All-Star break how good this offense can be when they're clicking on all cylinders. So uh, they can really put it back together, and I do do agree with you. I don't think that they're likely to add a bat at the deadline. I think it's going to have to come from within. Ben, before we go, you've done this with us before. We always play a game called Take to Rake uh, with our guests, and basically there's one rule. The rule is you can't take a player that you took the week before. We didn't have a guest last week, so any player is up for grabs for you, Ben. We're going to let you pick first the one player on the Orioles that you think is going to have the best offensive week between today and next Saturday. Today and next Saturday. So we're playing uh, two left with the Yankees, and then we go to Toronto, and we're going to play some really good pitchers over there. Um, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to ride the kid. I'm going I'm to ride Gunnar Henderson. I think he's been really hot lately. I know it, it, a little bit of a struggle for him last night, but I like some right-handed matchups that he's got coming uh, against the Yankees and, of course, against the Blue Jays. So I'm going to go with Gunnar Henderson. All right. Zach, who you got? I'm going to go – give me Ryan O'Hearn. Ryan O'Hearn. All right. I'm going to take Anthony Santander. 
He um, he put a couple of really nice swings on, on the baseball last night, including the walk-off home run. He's coming off a four for forty stretch, and when he gets going, there's not a hit, there's not a pitcher in baseball that he can't handle. So I'm taking Anthony Santander. Ben, thank you so much for taking some time on a busy Saturday to talk with us. Always enjoy our conversations. Hope to talk to you down the line and go O's. All right. Anytime, guys. Take care. See you. That was Ben McDonald back for another segment here on the Bat Around. Ben is always fantastic. Like I said, bucket list. Getting to talk baseball with Ben McDonald. The reason that I went, uh, that I let Ben go first and then you go first, neither one of us won in Take to Rake Tie this week. week. Um, I took Gunnar Henderson. He slashed 158, 238, 316, 554. You took Adley Rutschman. He slashed 191, 261, 381, 642. And uh, second straight week that I've taken a player and then they got hurt and missed a couple of games. Yeah, so no, no winner there. No, no winner there. So then Ben takes um, Gunner. So I'm gonna take, write these take, down. Ben takes Gunner Henderson. Um, Zach takes Ryan O'Hearn, and I take Anthony Santander. Tony Taters to the moon for take to rake. We got to catch our final break when we come back in. Final thoughts. That's next on the batter round. Catch that festival feeling in Charm City. Everywhere you go, you'll find exciting entertainment, delicious eats, and endless summertime fun. Cheer on the O's at Camden Yards, pick crabs by the waterfront, beat the heat inside a world-class museum, and make memories that will last a lifetime. Go to Baltimore.org for more information and to plan your visit. Maryland drivers, did you know you can save up to 77% on tolls with an Easy Pass Maryland discount plan? That's right, 77%. It's never been easy. Pick the plan that's right for you at driveezmd.com. We'll keep you moving. The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. Another exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. One of the most special nights of the season on Friday the 4th, Navy Night. Come celebrate the newest plebe class. Back-to-back fireworks carry on to Saturday with our pregame touch-a-truck event. And it's the last of our big hitter bobbleheads, Colton Kowser on Sunday for the first 750 fans. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at baysox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox, let us be your nine-inning vacation. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms it's a maryland thing you wouldn't understand 
Where the waves meet the shore, you will find Dorchester County. Hi, this is Jimmy Charles. When I think of Maryland, I think Dorchester County on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. The latest edition of Pressbox is available now. On the cover, Dave Ginsburg remembers Goose as he looks back on the impact that late Tony Saragusa had both on and off the field here in Baltimore. Plus, he explains how Goose's kids are working to continue that legacy with the Goose Flights program. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles the path Tyler Wells has taken to becoming a star in the Orioles rotation. And you'll find a special summer travel guide with information about events and activities throughout the state. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Your summer destination is closer than you think at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. With an expansive gaming floor and incredible dining options ready for you to explore, your adventure awaits. Dine at the new Coho Korean Barbecue House coming in July or on the patio at the Prime Rib. Enjoy the summertime breeze at Orchid Smoking Patio. Limited time packages starting at $229. What are you waiting for? Book now. At Arundel Mills, must be 21. Please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call one 800 gambler back in was i still muted no you're good Oh, okay. You're, it sounded like I was muted, but now I hear myself. Nope, you're good. Back in on the Bat Around with Bat Around Segment 3 music, formerly Glenn Clark Radio Music. Still the best music. I mean, I, the, I like the, Glenn's the music. The best music. But this is better. This is good. We this have Stan good. in ours, though, so it doesn't get better than that. We have Stan yelling peanuts, hot dogs, something like that. I don't remember. <laughs> peanuts! So, peanuts! Yeah, I think it is peanuts, yeah. Yeah. And it's 100% Stan. Yeah, it's... it's If it's not Stan... I my whole life my my world will be shattered if it's not Stan because didn't, I've thought that since the minute I ever got on the show. Yeah, didn't know Stan had a brother. I didn't either. Actually, I didn't. And know that. I wonder if he's anything like Stan. Well, I it, by the way he he invited it. Well, just to recap, Stan said he invited his brother over to watch the game last night. That would really suck if you invited someone over at like seven o'clock and then two two and a half hours later the game actually starts. Oh that yeah, would, man. that would be awful because then you have to watch like into the middle of the night. That just sucks. Like and, yeah. then, and then that person's not leaving your house until like two a.m. You know what? That's the, awful. The, the, the crazy thing is, well, I mean, it wasn't a five-hour game, but the crazy Still, thing is. Yeah. I'm watching that game last night. I, I go to bed at like ten thirty. Yeah, I days. did not watch the game last night. I'll be compl- too late for me. I watched the entire thing, but every single inning, my eyes were closing, and I had to like yeah. jolt myself awake. The entire it was like torture, it, yeah. it, but but not torture watching the game, but torture knowing that like I don't want to miss anything. It's the Yankees. It's nothing, nothing. Grayson Rodriguez is pitching the game of his life. Yeah. <laughs> They're going up against yeah. Garrett Cole. It's a playoff atmosphere on Mo Gabba Day. The stadium's packed. I don't want to miss any of this. Yeah. And so, like, there were, like, batters that I missed in an inning because I, I fell asleep for, like, 15 seconds. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? But, like, I kept myself awake for the entire game. And when the, the in the eighth inning, from the eighth inning through the end of the game, 
I was awake. Mm -hmm. I was awake. When Taters hit the home run, I threw my hands in the air, and then I turned over to the MLB Network and watched some of that to hear them talk about, to hear them gush over the Orioles and hear Steve Phillips' uh, trade proposal. And then I couldn't fall asleep. That sucks. I hate when I watch a game and I'm, or I'm watching something and I'm falling asleep, falling asleep, falling asleep. And then when I actually go to go to sleep, I can't sleep. Yeah. What is that about? That's I don't not know. fair. I, I did not sleep well last night. But, um, yeah, I know. Those West Coast games, all of those, I don't usually stay up with those. But I will say, I think it was 20... What year was the Stevie Wilkerson state save game in, in Los Angeles? That was um, 2019. I did watch the entirety of that one. It went to like 2.30 a.m. It was... So let me... No, it was later than that. It was like three, probably. Let me no, it was like two thirty in the morning. Yeah, I remember that it was. Let me let me long tell game. you, um, about that game. That game is why I don't like missing games. Yeah, that well, yeah, because that is the one West Coast game that I fell asleep during. <laughs> yeah, that is the one West yeah. Coast because I remember in twenty twelve when the Orioles went out to um. In, in 2021, when I mean 2012, when the Orioles went out to Seattle and it was an 18 inning game, Whew. that one one game was 14 innings and one game was 18 innings. My God! And so they basically played a four game series in three games. Yeah. Um, no, more than that. More than that. Yeah. More than that. And um, that game didn't end till 4 a.m. Eastern time. Yeah. And I had a lady friend over, and I refused to pay any attention to her until the game ended. <laughs> And it was 4 a.m. before the game ended. Which that, was, that's all? I feel like it would have been later. I mean, it, it, was, it, it was like 4, 4.30. Wow, yeah. I think it was four, closer to 4.30. And I, but I saw every... Chris Davis had the, had the game-winning RBI single up the middle in that wow. game. I, I remember I watched every inning of that game, every pitch of that game. I used to love West Coast games because I, I've worked in the restaurant industry for 20 years. And so I would be just getting home from... Those are the games I could watch. Yeah. I get home from work just in time to see first pitch, and I'd be able to watch the whole game. So when it went extra innings, I loved it. 2019, Stevie Wilkerson save game. Game goes extra innings. I didn't even realize it. I fell asleep. <laughs> when I woke up, the game was over, and I turned to Laura, and I said, hey, what happened? Did the Orioles win? She goes, yeah. I said, what happened? She goes, it was the craziest thing ever. And then when she tells me what happened and I got on Twitter and saw what happened, I was, like you can ask her, I was beside myself upset. I it believe was, it. Stevie Wilkerson's jersey and cleats went to the Hall of Fame because he became the first yeah, position player there, yeah. ever to get to earn a save in a game. Mm -hmm. And I missed it. And it, like they had the bases loaded with nobody out in the bottom of one of those innings and didn't score. Yeah. And I missed it. Missed the whole damn uh, end of the game. Because I fell asleep, I was beside myself upset. So because of that, when stuff like last night happens, I do not go to sleep. Even if I really need to and really yeah. want to. Now, I went to sleep earlier this year on some West Coast games because it was like, a lot of the times they were either winning or like I knew they were going to win, stuff yeah. like that. A game against the Yankees in July when you're in first place and they need to start winning ball games and it's a pitcher's duel back and forth, nothing, nothing the entire game. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not going to bed. I'm not gonna go to bed, and I'm glad I didn't. It was a, it was a solid it was a solid yep. solid victory. I hope they go out and score twelve freaking runs today, and win twelve. To that nine. would be really nice, considering the the lack of scoring lately. That that would yeah. be a very big. But change. the thing is, you know that they score twelve runs today, they're scoring like three tomorrow. Yeah, that, that's yeah. just what happens when the Orioles score a ton of runs. Generally speaking, they don't score a ton of runs the next day. Yep, we're off the rails here. Um, bat around today has been um, a lot of fun. Really good segment with Stan. 
really really good segment with Ben. Really great uh, conversation about the Shohei Otani, um, not Shohei Otani, about the um, Steve the Phillips trade pr- oh, okay. proposal, yep. about the Angels, about how honestly the Padres should offer that package to the Angels. <laughs> really, that that yeah. That, yeah. that deal makes so much sense for both sides to not do it. Um, final thoughts. Orioles are really good, man. They're really good. We're at a point in the season where, like, there are still fans thinking they're going to collapse. There are still fans who think they're going to lose every game. And we're beyond that. This team's good. Yeah. This team is legitimate. Really, really excited for what they're going to do. But they're still... that. That's the... When's the other shoe going to drop? That's the other shoe drop uh, yep. conversation for me is we got duped by the liftoff. Are we getting duped again? Is it? Are they going to do something that's not going to move the meter? If they go out and they get Josh Hader, that's a huge move. Yeah, that is a huge move. Huge. I'm huge. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. Um. So, I'm just. My final thought is, I'm just really looking forward to what they're. I think they're going to do something. And I think it's going to be significant. Okay. But I don't think it's going to be significant like Marcus Stroman. I think it's going to be something significant that's just going to help this bullpen. I, my final thought is. Along the lines of what Connor Newcomb posted on Twitter, because I think that's a really good PSA for people to say, hey, don't really read what Michael Elias says. I, I, you know, the liftoff comment, we've covered that extensively, but if we recap it one more time here on the show, it meant nothing in the long run. He ended up signing Kyle Gibson, Adam Frazier, spent no more than what? That's 19 combined, I think it was, 19 million combined. He there- spent 26 million when you throw in. Um- uh, Michael Givens. Michael Givens, true. My, I I overlook Michael Givens, I guess, yeah, because he's, he's pitched, pitched like, like four two, games. In, two innings, four games, something like that. Yeah. So, look, I, I think don't read what Michael Elias says. I, I don't think he's going to give you a very good idea of what the Orioles are doing because he doesn't want to give teams a good idea of what the sure. Orioles are going to plan to do. They're doing their due diligence. I have no doubt. They're going to go around and they're going to say, hey, you know, let's let's check in on Otani. Let's check in on Dylan Seats. Let's check, you know, check in on Mitch Keller, whoever it is. They're going to do the due diligence, but they're not going to go out and get a guy that's going to be as significant as one of those guys are. That's my belief. Yeah. Don't read into what Elias says. Read into what he does and read into the last edition of Press Box, which is available now. On the cover, Dave Ginsburg remembers Goose as he looks back on the impact the late Tony Saragusa had both on and off the field in Baltimore. Plus, he explains how Goose's kids are working to continue that legacy with the Goose Flights program. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles a path Tyler Wells has taken to becoming a star in the Orioles rotation. And you'll find a special summer travel guide with information about events and activities throughout the state. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Ravens in training camp, and nobody's talking about it because the Orioles are so damn good. Any thoughts on the Ravens as we head into another season? Yeah, I'm really worried about the running back position. I actually am because I really think J.K. Dobbins is... What's the word? Um, He is... The best running back in football? Well, he is certainly one of them, but I'm trying to think of the word. It doesn't matter. He is a staple of the Ravens, and he absolutely needs to play. He's going to. absolutely has. So, Melvin Gordon... I, I'm not sure I understand it. Three million is a lot of money for Melvin Gordon. It's, um, it's up to three million. It's up to sure. I up guess to three point one million. In football, there's always incentives. incentives. Sure. Yeah. yeah, that that's how it generally works. But that signing confused me a little bit. I, I worry about the health of Rashad Bateman. I'm still worried about that. I, you know, he's not. He's already on the PUP list, and that was expected. I think after coming off surgery, it was Liz Frank surgery, yeah. I believe, which is a tough injury to come back. Yeah, from. it's a tough injury to come back from. So I'm worried about that. There's a lot of things I'm worried about, but I do think that the Ravens are the most talented team they've been in probably about five years 
six years. More talented than that 2019 team, by far. I think I, they're by far more talented. I think their offensive line is going to be sneaky good. I think that... Uh, I think uh, Maybe. J.K. I mean, the only real, real question is that left guard. Right. Placing but, Ben uh, Powers. Uh, every, everybody else I'm, I'm confident in, as long as they stay healthy. Now, sure. the running game... I. I firmly believe J.K. Dobbins is going to play this year. I, hope so. and I think he's going to. I think he's going to get a lot of touches. I think he's going to play a lot of football. He was the best running back in football from Week 13 on last year. Yeah, he was unbelievable. Led, led the league in, in in yards per game. Led the league in yards per carry. He was absolutely fantastic. Yep. I think they're going to slow play with him. I think he's going to get get back into practice in the next week or two. I don't think he's playing in 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 um, the preseason. And he I think, shouldn't. He absolutely shouldn't. I think he's going to be their workhorse, and it it benefit. It does not benefit him at all coming off a knee injury to not play this year. No. And if he wants to get paid, he's got to go out and show out and be Ohio State JK Dobbins. He's got to be the JK Dobbins that we've all. When yeah. he's on the field, he's a difference maker. He's one of the best running backs in football. I like Melvin Gordon. I think mm. he. I think. I think he fits perfectly into a Todd Munkin scheme because yeah. they like to throw a lot of passes out, to to their running backs out of the backfield. He puts the ball on the ground too much. Right. Fumble he leader. led the NFL in fumbles last year, and he only played 10 games. Right. Um, they've got to find a way to keep the, to keep him from fumbling, and maybe that's just you know using him in the pass game more than not, uh, more than they hand the ball off to him. But between him, Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, I, I have confidence in this running game. I have confidence in Lamar Jackson. He has the weapons to get it done. The defense is going to be... Disgusting. Yeah, I think the defense it, it is going to be. be. They have two. Of the, the, they might have the top safety tandem in the NFL. They, they might. Do. They have a top three linebacker core in the NFL. Uh, I worry a little bit about corner. Yep. I worry about about corner every single year. Every e- year. Every year they're like, oh, this is the deepest the Ravens have ever been, and then somebody tears their ACL or somebody yeah. tears an Achilles, and they're done for the year. And now all of a sudden your depth is crap. They're. I'll be honest, and this is going to sound harsh, but they are one Marlon Humphrey ACL tear away from having nothing at cornerback. Yeah. They're yeah. they're going to have nothing. Rocky Sin is fine, but he's not going to be able to, to cover the league's best receivers. Like if he mm-hmm. goes up against Tyreek Hill, he's not going to be able to contain him. I and, guarantee and you. J- Jalen Armour Davis, Pepe Williams, they're not going to come in there. C- complete and- complete question marks. Yeah. They need to do something at corner before the season starts. I don't know if the day. I, probably not going to happen, but I really would love it to. Because yeah. they, they really lack depth there. Again, Marlon Humphrey is the only guy you can really count on to be able to cover top receivers. I like Rockison. He was the, the star of the uh, the Raiders defense last year. One of the only guys that showed out. But I, I can't see I really can't see him being successful against Tyreek Hills of the world and mm-hmm. uh, the, the DeAndre Hopkins of the world and the, those guys. He's not going to have that ability. Yeah, and I'm always nervous about, about their corners. But I also think that the Ravens' offense can keep pace with any offense in the league this year. They should be able to. Yeah, I, I, I really. I'm, I'm tired of the running backs with Kenyon Drake and the guys that are simply not starting running backs being on the Ravens. So yeah. right now you're looking at, and that's because of health, of course. I mean, that's mm-hmm. be, because of Dobbins and Gus Edwards being out for a large chunk of the past two years. So you're looking at those guys, and then Justice Hill can really hold his own. Yeah, really hold his own. So you're looking at three good starting running backs, and then Melvin Gordon's your four. A healthy Lamar with a lot of uh, receiving uh, uh, weapons. With that offensive line, I have faith in the in the, in the Ravens' running game. Yep. Faith in the Ravens. Faith in the Orioles. Faith in our fans. Thank you for listening to the show every week. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, without you, we don't have a show. Thank you to all of our sponsors. Without you, we also don't have a show. Thank you to our guests, Stan the Fan, Charles and Ben McDonald. Two excellent segments today. Really fun show. Thank you to Zach for being here every week and doing the job that he does. Couldn't do the show without you either, my guys. So thank you. Um, and thanks to me, you know, because nobody else thanks me. Oh, God.
<laughs> All right, guys. Enjoy Thanks, and enjoy the uh, the rest of the Orioles Yankees series. Enjoy the trade de- trade deadline. We'll be back to break it all down next Saturday on the Bat Around. Until then, see ya.